Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook as well. And please go over to YouTube and click the links in the description and subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel as more and more content will begin to go over there. And the in fact, the podcast is going to transition to video, we're hoping now, uh, with the Louisiana wrap-up. But today, we've got this... Weird little thing for Marshall, uh, the midweek game, and and we told you in the episode that dropped a couple of days ago that we were hoping to do a little bit of what we're calling the midweek deep dive. So we reached out to uh, the guys from the Ragin' Review podcast, and they're going to join us and help us break down the Louisiana side of this game. So you're going to get a firsthand account and perspective of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns from the guys who follow them closely. Uh, we're going to have a packed house here. Russ is going to be joining me, of course. Uh, I would imagine there's going to be at least two, maybe three of those guys. So you're going to get inundated with a lot of good information, stats, info, and analysis. So don't go anywhere. This is going to be your midweek deep dive as the herd and the Raging Cajuns are going to face off this coming Wednesday. So I told you we had something special, the midweek deep dive, right? Because Marshall doesn't normally play these midweek games. Every now and then you might see a Friday game on the schedule, but the Herd's on a Thursday this week. Or is it Wednesday? I don't even remember. Thursday. Wednesday. Wednesday. And uh, we've brought the guys in from the Rage and Review podcast who do a fabulous job at covering Louisiana. And we're going to get them in here to give you even more detailed info and analysis for this game. You're going to get their take on the information that I would normally give to you. Normally, I'm the guy picking who are the players we need to look out for and things we need to pay attention to and giving you keys to victory for the herd. Well, we're going to get all of that from Russ and I, but also you're going to get that from the Louisiana side of things. They're going to give you the players that have been hot as of late, the guys that are really dangerous that might have an impact in this game. They're going to give you keys to victory for Louisiana in this game, being that it's a road game in the midweek and all of that, their first trip to Huntington, West Virginia. We're going to do, you know, the th Russ and I will continue to give you a Thundercast players of the week uh, and we'll all give a score prediction. But before we get into all that good stuff, welcome to the Thundercast the trio of the Rage and Review podcast. We got Jerry, we got Nick, we got Josh. Welcome to the Thundercast, guys. KD, thanks for having us, man. This is this is exciting. First time ever as a as a conference mate, I think, and yeah, it might be the first time we've ever made the trip to Huntington. Well, yes, uh, I looked into that a little bit. So this will only be the second all-time meeting, you know, football-wise. I don't know if they've if if our two teams have locked horns, so to speak, in any other sports, but. Uh, this will be the first trip, obviously, to uh, Huntington for Louisiana in a football game. 
But let's talk about this Sun Belt real quick, and then we'll get into the game, right? We got four new teams that have entered the chat this year. It's all old news by now, but now we're into the thick of things. You know, we're playing conference games. Granted, neither one of us have played any of those new teams yet, but they're here. Um, so let's get some general reaction to what you think the, the conference looks like, how it feels to you, what's better about it, all that kind of stuff. So, Nick, um, what about the addition of – JMU, ODU, Southern Miss swinging over to the West, Troy swinging over to the West, and the and the addition of Marshall to the East. How do you like this new lineup? Well, I think you've seen it already. I mean, uh, James Madison goes on the road and beats App State. You guys beat Notre Dame. Um, I mean, it's just it was an upgrade in talent to our conference. And admittedly, we're We've been through the whole let's call up uh, FCS schools to the Sun Belt, but I, I think we've always been smart about it. We've always upgraded our conference with with talent that was proven in the FCS. We did that again with James Madison. Uh, ODU has a lot of potential. Again, they go out and they beat a P5 on the road. So it's exciting, one, to get to get more competitive teams in the West, which we're seeing right now. We'll talk about our performance right now. But uh, the West has traditionally been – uh, I wouldn't say weaker, but but viewed upon as weaker than the Eastern Division because you have these powerhouses of App State, now James Madison, now you guys. So it's great to get Southern Miss and then move Troy into our division and make it a little more competitive. So yeah, as a whole, I mean, you look at where other conferences uh, in the uh, quote G5, which is going away eventually, but the G5, you look at Conference USA. I mean, look at what they're, they're talking about adding Kennesaw State. That's not moving the needle for me and a whole lot of, of, of college football fans. So I think as a whole, and, and I'm speaking for Jerry and, and Josh, because I think they agree with me. It's been, it's been exciting. And we are, we are thrilled to have all four teams in our conference. I think uh, Russ, you know, what do you think about being here? We've talked about it a ton, but we haven't talked about it with these guys and coming from that conference USA, you know, like it, it, it was a motley crew at best before, but now it's uh it's it's going you're right it doesn't move the needle these things have don't move the needle so russ what about moving to the sun belt and being around guys like louisiana coastal app and jmu on, on the uptick three major things for me and i've said all these before but number one is leadership from the conference i mean you just feel like gill and the rest of the crew have a vision and it's not just football it's let's improve i mean look at soccer we talk about soccer all the time but baseball is religion down here in in sunbelt territory and and all this and it just seems like they have a direction and they're moving toward it and it's great uh the second is that we are not markets we are passionate fan bases and that's so different because before you would go to somewhere we bring it up all the time rice rice is in houston but no one in that houston market really cares about rice unless they went to rice and you can see by going to their stadium and they sometimes had seven thousand people there you know and now we're talking about these programs nick brought up a good thing that you know you're bringing up a program that's successful usually when that happens there's a fan base with it Mm -hmm. So you have built in passionate fans because there's been a history of winning when they have been brought up, not just we're in panic mode. We need to bring people up because we only have six in the conference because everyone left. Um, 
And the third thing is <clears throat> the regional aspect of it, especially with being able to shift some people over to the West and the influx over in the East and that footprint geographically easily traveled games. It's just, it's so much better now. Uh, we brought it up a lot before, but when ODU and UTEP had to play, not just in football where there is a budget, women's volleyball, you know, all the different things that there's no budget. Every school was just suffering with that footprint. Now you've got easily traveled games and I can't wait for these rivalries. So that's my three keys. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked about this being a huge driver. And even on the national stage, folks took notice and went, like, look at the Sun Belt. Look what they're doing. They're getting back to this regional thing, and fans can get excited about games, and they can travel, and that's what makes college football great. Now, look, I'm saying this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, okay? I was forewarned that Jerry gives the long answers. So, uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on the new Sun Belt before we slide over there to Jerry? <laughs> I'm glad, I appreciate you letting me go first, but look, if you want to look at the league as a whole, I mean, you got national champions in this league. Yep. You got a national championship in, in, in Marshall. Uh, what was that, last year or year before? 2020 that, soccer, yep. So you got a national champion there. And I know Coastal won it the year before they, won, they, they joined the Sun Belt, but they're a national championship in baseball, okay? So you add that to the league, that's, that's clout right there. I mean, we pride ourselves, as Russ mentioned, this is a baseball uh, conference. I mean, look at it. You had Texas State was nationally ranked, and, I mean, a driver uh, in, in baseball last year. You had... Georgia State hosted a regional. You had us who was, you know, not necessarily ranked, but we we went into Texas A&M and we're the better team for seven innings of that game on Saturday. I mean, we really pushed that team, and that was a national seed once it once it College World Series. So the Sun Belt is as a whole, uh, baseball wise, soccer wise. Look at the volleyball. I know I don't know if you guys follow a lot of volleyball, but volleyball. I watched Texas State play the Cajuns last night in Earl K. Long and Lafayette. That was some elite level volleyball. So I know a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to women's sports like we do other other sports, but that was some elite level stuff. Uh, uh, you know, go down the list, guys. Football. You go on the road. You beat Notre Dame. You beat AM. You beat uh, BYU. Coastal. I hate Coastal. Uh, look, <laughs> they're like the stepchild of, of the conference. But at the end of the day, you got you to gotta chalk up their, their accomplishments. They beat BYU. Uh, you, you had one weekend we beat three big – no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, big 12 teams. Three on the same day. All right? That was uh, – that was I think it was off of the COVID year. Still, Iowa State, Kansas State, and – Jerry, want to help me? That, what was the third one that we beat in that, on that Saturday when the Sun Belt went and – Made some noise. Kansas, Kansas, Coastal beat Kansas, Kansas, Kansas State, and uh, and uh, us beating Iowa State all fell on a Saturday. That was when you first started getting the glimpses that hey, the Sun Belt is here. This is a whole different deal. You add a program with history and and uh, brand recognition like Marshall. You add uh, JMU who's on the. I mean, look at what they've done this year. Are you kidding me? What can you say about that program? Unbelievable. Uh, App State on the road. You know. Look, you go down by what was it, twenty-eight to three, the the the, the vaunted twenty-eight to three comeback. You know, you go back first ever league game at the Rock, and they come back and win that game. I don't think people talk about it enough. That was unbelievable. That was an unbelievable accomplishment. What a, when you start developing rivalries, and when you start to take those old rivalries, you put them together. All right, like you said, KD. I mean. That's how you build a conference. That's how you build interest. That's how you get a fan base or a, a you know fan interest in a conference that's, you know, it's good, it's fine. But when you start really putting those programs together that have a history 
and you build those type of environments and you get the rock at 30,000, you get Cajun Field at 30,000, you get, uh, I don't know what you guys' capacity is, but that place is going to be rocking when Louisiana shows up because of the history over the last four or five years of winning. That is important. That's how you build a great league. You guys mentioned Keith Gill. The funny thing is when Keith Gill got here, not a lot of people liked the hire. We were, we were very anti-Keith Gill for probably a year, a year and a half, year, two years. So he, I think that it made it, it, the success obviously makes it easier to go out and put your face to a conference. I think that he walked in at the very perfect time for this, this conference as a whole. But look, look, at, look at everything that has, over the two years, everything that, has, uh, that he has been over has improved. Even basketball, we, we rail against basketball, but even basketball has gotten a little bit better. I think we're going to be better this year. Uh, and, and Keith Gill is, I mean, which, what are you going to say? I mean, the guy's done a good job. But to your point, as a whole, the Sun Belt, baseball, football, basketball, women's sports, Title IX sports, doesn't matter. It's all better. Jerry? Yeah, to your point, I mean, KD, we were talking about this earlier 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I was a student at UL people were leaving the conference. They wanted to get out of the Sun Belt. They wanted to go to Conference USA. They wanted to go to other, you know, mid-major conferences because they felt that the Sun Belt was sort of a stepping stone. That was what it was. You had FCS teams come in, they get their feet wet at the higher level. So they go to the Sun Belt, they stay there for about three or four years, and then they leave. And I think that's where that perception changed when we, I mean, look, when you had five or six teams leave the Sun Belt back in 2012, 2013 and go to Conference USA, we thought, you know, we're done for because we felt that we were in that same position that Conference USA is in now where, you know, you have CUSA, now they're adding Liberty. Now they're adding Jacksonville State. Now they're adding Sam Houston. Now they're adding New Mexico State. Team, random teams to survive. And we felt kind of the same way without realizing that Carl Benson had a plan all along to add teams that brought value to the conference based off the tradition rather than the markets. You know, bringing an App State in, bringing in Georgia Southern in, bringing in Georgia State, bringing in um, Coastal Carolina, teams that pretty did pretty well at, at, at the FCS level. And then you see what they've done in other sports with Coastal winning the national championship in baseball. You've got Georgia Southern competing in baseball. App State has, you know, even though as of late, uh, I know they went to the dance a few years ago in basketball, but they had a decent basketball tradition back in the day. So they've those schools have added value, uh, a lot of value, a lot quicker than what we expected. And then you saw um, when App State uh, pulled a few big wins a few years ago, they got in the top 25. Then Coastal got in the top 25. Then we got in the top 25. And that's what added value to the conference. And now you're seeing some of these other conferences, like, for example, the American, they're still going after markets. Well, look, I'll just have a list of the teams going to the American from Conference USA. You got FAU, you got North Texas, you've got Rice, Charlotte, UTSA, UAB, all coming from bigger markets. But really, when you go look at their attendance, when you look at their crowds, what outside of UTSA, what do they really bring? Mm -hmm. You know, th that's the big thing. And I think the difference between those schools and our schools is we have tradition. You know, these schools that have come to the Sun Belt have tradition. Marshall has tradition. JMU has tradition. App State has tradition. Southern Miss, an old rival of ours, has tradition. Just like you guys in the East playing those teams like App State and Georgia Southern, teams that you've played in the past at the Division I AA level, or it's called FCS now, of course, but that's kind of how we look at Southern Miss. 
And then we already have these old rivalries with Arkansas State. We already have these old rivalries like in baseball against South Alabama. So I think it's good for the fan interest because you're playing familiar teams. You're not just playing random teams because they're in the city of Miami or Houston or Dallas. You're playing teams with a brand and, and a winning tradition and passionate fan bases. I mean, for example, we go to Huntington on Wednesday night. You know, Huntington's not a big market, but I guarantee you, you're going to have over 25,000 people in that stadium. We you hope. Can't, yeah, you can't say that about Rice. You can't really say that about Charlotte. You can't say that about UAB. And they're in bigger cities. So I think the value, to your point, Russ, when you brought it up about geography and, and passionate fan bases, I think that creates a lot more value than a team that's in a city of, you know, of over so many million people. I mean, look, we deal with it with Tulane down here uh, in Louisiana. You go to a Tulane game in New Orleans, no knock against Tulane. I got a lot of friends that went there. I got friends who were fans, but their atmosphere is kind of, yeah, you know, it's like, all right, cool. And they're there. They got a game, you whatever. But when you have 30,000 for an App State game, when you have 30,000 for a Marshall game, when you have uh, 25,000 to go see ODU, when you have 25,000 to see JMU, to me, that brings more value to the conference. And then on top of that, these teams are winning. And these teams have tradition. Marshall, like I said, you guys have tradition. All these tools have success. So I think that's the importance. And that's why to us, in my opinion, I think we position ourselves very well moving forward, especially in football. If they, when, you know, they're talking about expanding the playoffs and having those top six conferences host a playoff spot, guess what? Guess who can be that fifth or sixth slot? That puts us in that driver's seat to do that. I mean, just imagine having a playoff game in, in Huntington or a CFP game in Cajun Field because of the model we're creating, that's that's the value behind it. And that's why as Cajun fans, we're ecstatic. We're ecstatic to add the four teams that we've added. And yeah. KD, real quick, real quick on his point about winning. Marshall goes out and beats Notre Dame in South Bend with this with the SBC on the jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's you you can't buy that kind of publicity. You you have App State goes to Texas AM with, with the SBC on the jersey. You can't buy that. That, that amount you had you had you know the talking heads on Twitter and all across social media that said hey P6 Sunbelt <laughs> P6 somebody you cannot purchase that amount of publicity in that respect I mean go back 10 years the Sunbelt was a joke it, it was we didn't even want to go to the games we had to sit here and rationalize why the conference was any good to have you guys come in, look at ODU. ODU shows up national television game, first time playing as a Sunbelt member. They beat Virginia Tech. Brent Pry is a guy from Lafayette. So we all watch the game. I mean, these are things. Look at look at what uh, Southern Miss just beat an, an old rivalry, uh, an old rival in Tulane this past week. They were a double-digit point underdog. The Sunbelt as a whole is gaining respect, and I don't even think we know all the things that are being, you know, cemented into the legacy of the Sunbelt as we go right now. Yeah, it, that's a good point. You know, we talk about all the stuff that is already happening and how short of a time frame it has happened. You know, we're five weeks, six weeks into the season, and we just ripped off this win, this win, this win, this win. And then you start looking forward and you think, okay, they have vaguely mentioned the possibility of future expansion in this conference. And, and Keith Gill's like, well, if it's one team, it's one team. If it's four, it's four. They, it just has to make sense. But I think what that really does is if you start to open that door, you can be so uber choosy about who you bring into that. I mean, they're they're basically handing them about as good of a lottery ticket at our level that you can hand them. You know, like you come into what's probably the most competitive uh, mid-major conference from top to bottom in several major sports and across several women's sports that go vastly, uh, you know, undercovered or not talked about as much. 
somebody or a couple of somebodies are going to hit the lottery in a big way, especially when you talk about something like the college football playoff expanding and having a, a almost a guaranteed seat at the table for someone in the Sun Belt. I think in a few years' time, you won't talk about the American, even if some people are still being above the Sun Belt. You know, you'll think, wow, they they really went past them on this. And and, and to your point, KD, and to, to what Josh said about the value that is created, I mean, college game day voluntarily went to Boone, North Carolina to cover the the App State game. And then, of course, seeing what App State did in that game, winning on a Hail Mary, again, that's free publicity. You can't put a price tag on that. I mean, that type of publicity. And, and, you know, this is one thing I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys, uh, and I don't know if you had this in Coverage USA or even in the MAC, but, um, you know, we pull for each other when you're playing other teams. Non-conference, we want the Sun Belt to be as successful as possible. Except for COVID Carolina. (laughs) Except for COVID Carolina. Yes, but but I for Coastal is real, man. It is real. Oh, man. Oh, look. Look. Don't get me started here on a Saturday morning, right? <laughs> but, but it's like I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't expect that. Like I would expect that more from a uh, a West Division peer. But they're over there in the East, and and they're garnering all the hate from across the conference. That's that's just wild to me. Well, when they chicken out of the conference championship game so that they don't have to play us, so they they can be in the conversation for New Year's Bowl game. That's where. Yeah. And might I add, we, we were in, Con- we had flown, our team had already flown to the, to Conway and w- was at the team hotel when they got the announcement. So they couldn't even tell us beforehand before we paid this crazy price to fly, Jeez. by the way, we're canceling, but you know, th- th- about, about the Sunbelt, one other thing I wanted to say was um, all of these wins, all of the success we've had, that, you know, really one thing that's great about the Sun Belt is Keith Gill. And, and again, I give credit to Carl Benson, the, the previous uh, commissioner. We have leveraged ourselves to where, like you said, KD, we don't have to worry about it. We have to go get this team. We have to go get that team. We've leveraged ourselves to where we can, not to say get complacent, but we're comfortable right now to where we have a good brand of teams and a good brand of universities. You look at what Conference USA is doing right now. They're trying to survive. Yeah, I mean, is. you go get New Mexico State, and I know they have a good basketball program, but the Sun Belt used them as leverage for a football-only conference. When they started adding teams, they were like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Go do what you got to do and kind of let them go. And then Idaho, same thing. Idaho dropped down to the F- first school in a while to drop down to FCS. So that's another thing about the Sun Belt is we're in a good position. I think you look at these other conferences, like the American, for example, I think they're trying to survive. I, you know, you lose three of your teams to the Big 12 – your three of your top branded teams to the big 12, but then you go get market teams. I mean, I don't see no offense, but I don't see North Texas doing what Cincinnati did. I, I just don't see it, but no, I mean, that, that that's, that's one other thing is I think we can be a little comfortable for a little while with the schools we chose at the same time. We, I don't think we want to get comfortable with the results on the field. I think the value of the results on the field is going to carry water. And one, one other sport, we talk about women's sports, softball, Mm-hmm. We have a softball dynasty in Lafayette. When we found, believe it or not, when we found out the JMU was getting at it, we were ecstatic because the conference has been fairly weaker in softball. There have been times we've gone 45 and five and been ranked in the top 15, but our RPI wasn't high enough. So we had to go on the road to a regional. Well, now adding JMU in the mix, that's going to add value to us. And so if we take care of business against them, we can host a regional again and host a super regional and our, and our seating gets better. So it, it, there's so many sports outside of just football that we're excited about because of what, what all of these schools, including Marshall, bring to the table. And quickly, there, Marshall's commitment to the diamond sports shows. I mean, congratulations on your new baseball facility. It looks like it's going to be awesome. 
if we can continue to, to you know, that dominance on the diamond, that I, I think that there's a real, I think that if there's going to be upward mobility in a sport that uh, maybe not necessarily be football, it's, the, it's baseball and softball. And Marshall is prime. I mean, you have the brand, you have the commitment, you have the backing. I think Marshall has a, a great opportunity to go ahead and be one of those power players in the East. And once you do that, and you, you marry that with the West, who's been, you know, traditionally a, a power in G5 baseball, softball, man, this conference, we don't even know what's, what's we don't even know where the floor is yet. There's too many, there's, there's so much great opportunity with the programs and their commitment to athletics. We, we don't even know yet, in, in my view. It starts to feel like, and I am by no means comparing the Sun Belt to the SEC, but you see in SEC football, these all these high-ranked teams, and they beat up on each other all season long, but they still remain ranked and very high. And it starts to feel like this could possibly be what we're looking at, maybe not in football, but in these other sports. Like you talk about baseball, you got a lot of teams ranked. They're beating up on each other because they're all good, but they don't drop in rankings. So uh, the, our softball team is a little bit ahead of where our baseball team is right now. Of course, uh, the, you know, they have their facility. They have a winning tradition there in Huntington. And and uh, we are really – we Russ and I in particular have become massive softball fans just from the – starting doing this show and the reception that we've received from our coaching staff and our players there. They, and so we're big proponents. We're trying to get people to always go to those games. They're such a fun sport to, to root for. And they win, they win. So we're coming to Lafayette and we're trying to take some dubs from you this year. I don't even want to hear any of that uh, dynasty stuff. It ends here. It ends. <laughs> Good. Hey, two words for you, man. Good luck. <laughs> it ends here, but look, we got a football game to talk about. This is an excellent uh, in insight from guys that we haven't talked to before on this front yes we've done twitter spaces before that was a couple years ago or a year ago whatever and that was fun at the time because it was all hypothetical type stuff if this then that this but now we're here and and games are being played we're seeing results play out on the field and it proves that what we were were hoping would happen is happening and a microcosm of that is this game that's happening on wednesday night right this is a little bit of a revenge game for the herd i would feel like um we, you know, we we never are going to make excuses for a loss. You know, it, it's like you lose the game, you lost. Uh, but, we, you know, after the bowl game in the New Orleans Bowl, we started learning some things about how this team climbed off the bus. And we were like, geez, no wonder it was tough for them to compete. Right. But uh, anyway, you slice it. This will be the second all-time meeting for Louisiana and Marshall. The Cajuns are making their trip up to Huntington. The game's going down this Wednesday. Uh, October 12th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, major network, big primetime exposure for a marquee game uh, for two teams that really look kind of like mirror images of one another in a lot of aspects, which we'll get into early on in this season. Of course, I mentioned this is the second meeting, the 2021 New Orleans Bowl, where Louisiana took the victory 36-21 to over the herd in that game. Um, Rashina Ali had himself a day. And that's a bullet point that we're going to have to talk about here later on because, of course, we've yet to see Rasheen on the field in 2022. Will that change this week? No, we will see. So uh, Louisiana sets a 2-3 and three on the season, currently 0-2 in the Sun Belt standings, currently on a three-game losing streak. I'm not trying to take jabs here, guys. This is just what the resume says. I'm giving some context, okay? Uh, an unforeseen surprising loss by me at the hands of ULM. Did not see that one coming. And then a loss against what appears to be a better than 
usual South Alabama team. But any way you slice that, these two losses to the two Sunbelt teams were by a combined seven points. A few plays here and there, and this is a different Cajun record, right? We're talking about a different team. Even though they may look the same on paper, the record says something totally different. So before I get into some stats, some overall team stats, and we talk about players, um, give me a synopsis. Josh, we'll start with you this time. In your in your gut, this is just kind of how I like to phrase it. In your gut, what does this game feel like to you? Well, you you phrased it well when you said it's a revenge game, and we all know how that plays out a lot of times. Uh, but let me let me just kind of talk about the resume. The ULM loss was. I don't want to. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it felt like it set us back in more ways than one. Obviously, you know, you have a team that wins 15 straight. You lose to Rice. You think, okay, you're on the road for the second time in two weeks. How is this team going to go ahead and respond? We're up 17 to seven with a knockout blow in the hands of Mike Jefferson. He drops the football. We lose the game. We lose the game because, in my view, he drops the ball. If you go ahead and catch that ball, you score. It's 24 to 7. You're going in a half, and the game is over. Um, we, I think that you look at the roster, look at the talent on the roster, certainly there. A lot of these guys have not been in position to be the guy for wins for this program. We lost multiple NFL talents. We've lost guys to the portal. We got a essentially in the making an All-American in Osiris Torrance uh, at Florida. You got another guy, Montreal Carter, who's toting the rock for Billy Napier at Florida, doing a great job, you know, producing in the SEC. I mean, these guys were going to be people we relied on. So talent-wise, we've lost probably 7 to 10 of our top uh, returning experienced guys. Enough can't be said about new talent moving into a leadership role. I think that's where we're at, and that's why you lose a game to Rice, which, by the way, Rice is legit. Rice should have beaten Houston, and they're probably going to win six, seven games this year. I think they're a bowl team. They were much better than we thought than I thought. You lose a game like that on the road, first game uh, on the road of the season, then you go to ULM, and what we all thought was going to be a bounce-back game, you make, you drop a punt, you drop a field goal, you can't catch a, a, a wide-open touchdown. You shot yourself in a foot enough to where – you let, you let ULM hang around long enough, and they're well-coached. Look, say what you want about their talent. They have a great system in place. Terry Bowden's been around. He knows how to win football games. ULM is – they're not a pushover like they used to be. They're not, a, they're not a doormat anymore, which is great for the conference, by the way, going back to the conversation about the conference. The floor has been raised, so that's a great thing. Anyway, you lose that game. What do you say about that? You come home. You play a very good – by the way, I think the, the class of the West in South Alabama – very great uh, technique, form tackling. I think their defense is top-notch. They have just enough offense to be scary, all right? I think South Alabama is a class of the West. You take them to the brink, you have a great performance from your defense. The, the, the effort was there. Offensively, you had probably one of the worst quarterback performances. And I know we used two guys, but one of the worst quarterback performances we've seen in five, six years. Guys, remember that Levi Lewis has been at the, at the helm and signal caller for three three-plus years. And before that, you had a guy in, in Nunez, well – I don't know if he was necessarily a, the most talented, but he knew the offense. So he put you in position to win. Billy Napier went 7-7 seven and seven his first year in 2018 at the Cajuns, uh, as the Cajuns head coach. There was, there was not a lot of talent on that roster. Point is, is that the quarterback position has pretty much been solved for four or five years. We're not, we're not close right now to solving it. You're going to see Ben this, this week against Marshall, Ben, ben Wildridge. 
he is a good player. He's inconsistent. He's got some good points, some bad points. And I don't know who's going to be backing him up. We have a young guy named Zeon Chris who might get some snaps. That might be something to watch out for. But as far as going into the Marshall game, to this point, talent's there. I don't know if the, the experience level is uh, worthy of winning football yet. We're learning on the fly. You got a new staff. You got a new support system. You got a lot of new guys making decisions. You guys know when you have turnover like that, there's always going to be some level of inconsistency. I, I think that this game in particular, I think it shapes the season for Marshall and for Louisiana. Marshall is excellent defensively. I would say that we're also excellent defensively. I look for a low-scoring game because of the talent on defense on both sides. But who wants it? But who wants it? I know it's a cliche. KD, Russ, I, look, you guys, I, I guarantee, you guys are uh, of the internet, of the, uh, the, the whole coach interview process. It's, it's cliches. Hey, you know, uh, well, we're good. We're, we're, we're just not there. We're not executing. In this particular case, we're not executing. We're not finishing. We're, we don't have the guys that are going to go ahead and, yeah, we think we should win, but do you believe it? Do you know it? I, I think Marshall is kind of in that same boat where you got guys that know, know how to win, but do they really believe it? Do they finish it? Do they follow through? This game on Wednesday, national televised, these are two teams that have ton of, tons of talent, but do they believe that they're winners? I don't know just yet. Yeah, and KD, I'm just going to add on to that. It it's a big it feels like a big game cuz you were saying what does it feel like? It feels yeah. like a big game, but for different reasons that I think we both thought it would feel like coming into the season. You guys probably checked off. I know I mean I know I would have, but you probably checked off Notre Dame as a loss and you probably thought you'd come in with one loss and Not we me. thought we we <laughs> that's my man <laughs> Ser right there. Ser Russ. Seriously. I love it. Seriously. Hey, I love it. But I, the worst case scenario, one loss for you guys for us, probably undefeated or both undefeated. And then you guys have a tough home schedule. So this is one of those games you need to win to get things going. And for us, this is like, you know, a big game for us as well, you know, in that regard. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a big game, but for different reasons. Because like Josh said, it, this is almost make it or break it for both of us. We're going to see who we are this week on the road as, as Cajuns. We've already not been very good on the road. So if we go and perform like we did against ULM, like he said, we had a chance to blow them out and one or two missed catches, and now they come back and they beat us. If we come and play like that against you guys, it's going to be a long night for us. But yes, Chandler, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben Woolridge, our quarterback this week, has been inconsistent, but he's also been in a two-quarterback system where he doesn't get the full game reps with the with the number ones. And, and so I... I get that we have Jefferson who's got talent and all these receivers, but when you, every quarterback has different touch, every quarterback throws the ball a little bit differently. So I'm hoping that after being in the majority of the game last week, he can kind of get into the, the groove of things. But yeah, like I said, it, it feels like a big game just for different reasons than I think we, we both anticipated. I think it is a big game, right? I don't think Louisiana can afford to go 0-3 in the Sun Belt. I mean, that's demoralizing, right? And Marshall would be 0-2 in the Sun Belt. Granted, both those losses to West teams. I, you know, we're still learning kind of how the how all that works. You know, I knew how the system worked in Conference USA, but, you know, does a loss to a West team really matter to a Sun Belt East team if you run, you know, your division? I, I don't know how that works yet. So um, I don't know if it's as big of a deal as it would be to losing to Coastal and App versus losing to Troy and Louisiana. But anyway, you slice it. 
Yeah. Give me, if it, you don't mind, educate real me. Quick. Yeah, well, well, first of all, you want to win the West. It doesn't matter. Get into the Sunbelt Championship game. Look, we were 7-7 seven and seven against, a, I think, an 11-1 App State team in 2018. Now, we lost the game, but you had an opportunity there to, to win the, the conference. So, win the West. That's the goal. Here's the thing. Throw the records out. I know that Marshall has struggled. You, lost, you, you go on the road, you beat Notre Dame, you shock the world, and you have a letdown. First of all, I wasn't surprised by that. I mean, that happens. That happens to everybody. Not necessarily a G5 thing. That happens to everybody. Here's, I think that this is the crux of it all. It's a conference game against two good teams. You guys good are teams. good. You, you, you have lost some games that you shouldn't have. So have we. It's, it's a scrappy, who wants it more game. On national TV, a league game, I, I can't be more excited. We're two and three. The record's not great. Look, I understand that when you're, if you're just a regular old casual football fan, you say two and three Cajuns going on the road to Marshall, blah, blah, blah. Throw that shit out. This is a game that you want to watch. This is, this is good old-fashioned football, and this is an opportunity, in my view, to start a rivalry, whether it be friendly or not. We're going to Huntington for the first time. We are fighting for our lives. We're up against the wall. Marshall really needs to right the ship because you guys still have a great opportunity to have a great uh, a season with that Notre Dame win on the ledger. I mean, that's still a great opportunity. So lots to play for, lots on the line. Doesn't matter what the, what the record is. And I think savvy college football fans, not G5 fans, sa savvy college football fans understand that this is one of those games that you got to pay, pay, pay attention to. This is not matching on a Tuesday. This is two titans in the Sun Belt going after each other i'm excited for the game i look i tried to make my way up to huntington I, it wasn't going to work out in the schedule but i'm sad that i'm missing it i would love to go on the road i know jerry's like he's 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 grasping at the bit he's like oh man let me tell let me say something so if you don't <laughs> go ahead jerry i thought i was the one that talked too much i don't know but anyway <laughs> yeah no it's true i i'm look I, no it's okay but, but Look, guys, one thing you'll know about Cajuns, we, we, we talk a lot when we're passionate about things, and that's we are. And, and this game is a prime example. I think this is a game of who can make the least amount of mistakes. That's really, and I know it sounds cliche, but really in this particular case, you've got two teams defensively, they're solid. Offensively, trying to find an identity. Uh, I know Marshall, <clears throat> there's been a lot of, I'm, I'm sure with some of the fans, there's been a lot of this, a little bit of disappointment offensively. I know that there was a lot of expectations coming in. Same thing with Louisiana. Cajun fans, we're, we're scratching our heads right now because we were so used to having an offense that really had established a solid run game, had a decent, you know, decent run game that set up the passing game, and we haven't seen neither. And, and really, what we've struggled with this year is we've lost a few guys on the offensive line and really the brunt of our offensive scheme is a run balanced attack. So we, our run sets up the, for the pass. And so we haven't been able to run the ball as well. So this is, this is an opportunity for us. You know, we're going to be challenged with a really good front seven that the, that the herd have, and this is going to be a big test. And it's, and I think, I think our guys are up to it. And, and I think this 10 day break could not have come at a better time for us. I think the 10 day break was crucial in spite of having to go on the road to Huntington, because I think our guys are going to be a little bit more polished. Um, but I think the way the game pans out is if we let Marshall score early and we let that crowd get into it, I'm very afraid of that. I hope our defense can make some key stops and, and, and stop the run. Cause I do know Marshall runs more of a spread and they like to run. You guys like to run the ball. If that plays into our hands and we can kind of keep the score low through at least a quarter and a half, that's where I think it can be a good game. Um, that's the thing that scares me the most is 
you don't want to let Marshall score early. You don't want to. And that's another thing about our offense. We've turned the ball over too many times to a point where, and we've done it in bad field position. We did it against ULM. Everything Josh mentioned was true. A botched snap, a missed field goal. Uh, I mean, you gave them the ball in their own territory and it was a 17 point turnaround when we, you know, we could have won that game by so much more. We lose by four. So one thing about us, and, and, and I know it's cliche, is we've really, we've really made a lot of self-inflicted wounds. That's one thing that, that, that the Cajuns have done this year is we've just made some petty mistakes that the Cajun teams of the past haven't. And another thing I wanted to mention, we've lost a lot of guys to the portal. We've lost some guys to the NFL. And in spite of all of the talent we've lost, if you look at the team we had last year, with all of that talent that we lost, we beat Nickel State by three points. We beat Georgia Southern by eight. We beat ULM by five. We beat a two and 10 Arkansas State team by one. We beat a Georgia State team by four. And so with all of those close wins, we found ways to win. This time with that, with losing all those guys and losing that leadership in the locker room and still trying to find that leadership role in the locker room, you're starting to see the opposite result. You lose to South Alabama by three. You lose to ULM by four. Last year's team, they win those two games and they probably beat Rice. Mm-hmm. that's the difference I find with this team. We've got the talent. It's just a matter of who's going to step up as a leader and how we're going to find ways to, to limit those mental mistakes. Because a lot of really in those last two games, we really didn't get outplayed. We just made, we just made some careless mistakes that, that our opponent took advantage of. Cannot do that this week in Huntington. This yeah. Marshall team is good. Cannot do that. They, so, they will. Uh, take the ball away from you. If you, well, that's give, how you look, I mean, you said this front seven is strong. I don't know if you've, I mean, I'm not throwing jabs here, but if you no. haven't paid attention to the secondary of what Marshall's oh, doing, look, this, you're, you're not watching this. Defense. I watched that Notre Dame game, man. And you're absolutely right. That secondary is very similar to our secondary. You're fast. You, you play great man coverage. You sniff the ball. Well, very similar to the Louisiana secondary. And look, we've struggled with the pass game. We struggle with the passing attack. So offensively, our offensive line will have to play their best game of the year. But again, you go on the road to Huntington and you make those mistakes. Look, that's how you beat Notre Dame. The turnovers, the pick six, that's how you beat Notre Dame. And and, and so to Marshall's credit, you kind of play it. I mean, we kind of play into Marshall's hands there. But I know we have an offense that has potential to do great things. They're just going to have to do it. They're just going to have to they're just going to have to execute. And KD, to your point about the secondary against Notre Dame, and we all watched the Notre Dame game. I apologize for bringing that up too much, but I mean, the audacity to play aggressive defense, man, man, press coverage, single high safety, aggressive defense against Notre Dame. The audacity was, was, it was beautiful football to watch. It reminded me of what we did against Iowa state, the audacity for a G five team to go on the road and play man press with a single high safety and put pressure on the quarterback it was beautiful, and you guys executed. And again, to your point about how kind of a mirror image these two teams are, I, in my view, the backbone of our, our football team is our secondary. I think the same for Marshall. Yeah, they, they're just really dangerous at a lot of positions on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Russ, bring, bring it home here from a herd standpoint of what this game feels like as far as Louisiana coming in and the New Orleans Bowl tying it all in together and to what Jerry said, an extra 10 days, 11 days off. What might that mean for the herd? Uh, so what does this game feel like to you this week? Must win for both teams. Uh, that was brought up before, but 
Louisiana's lost three in a row. And if we lose, you know, our fan base is just going to implode. It, it's that because, you know, we we do have a win in the ledger since we lost two games in a row, but it was against an FCS opponent and a lot of fans were not happy. We think weather-wise, you know, caused a lot of the offense stalling. We purposely didn't throw it downfield because of that, but everyone wanted that. 500 yards of passing hey we've got everything fixed that sort of thing both teams have got to win this game it is primetime television on a national channel and a lot of eyes are going to be on it people that are in the sports bars that don't normally watch these two teams because they play while their teams are playing on Saturdays are going to be able to watch these two programs it's going to be uh, good for recruiting for both teams because you'll have these players that are looking at places to go maybe even three or four years from now, but they'll learn about these programs and, and maybe the style of play, that sort of thing. So it's going to be huge. Anytime that you have the premier game on television for a given day or night, it's going to be huge. But for both teams where they're at right now with the season, it's a must win for both teams. We talked about uh, Rashin Ali not playing yet for the herd. We, uh, you and I, thought that we may see him make his debut against Gardner Webb because it was a you know lower level of competition. We could see if he was a full go or not, and if he wasn't, we could shut it back down. And then the the weather that came in kind of made us think twice about that. Right? Maybe this yep. isn't the ideal situation to stick him back in. The, and so now you you mentioned it before we've got this extended rest period and you're going to get a midweek game. So now does it feel like maybe we might see that debut so that if it doesn't feel right now, you can shut it back down and you've got another 10 days for whatever type of uh, getting it right you need. Uh, but does this feel like the spot where maybe Rasheen Ali makes his return for 2022? Yes. And I had penciled, Gardner Webb in before the weather, as you mentioned, for what we said for these three guys' benefit. I said, you bring him in, it's against an FCS school, get him some carries, get some of the rust off. You've got 11 days before you come back and play your next game. When that game is over, you have an additional 10 days before you travel to James Madison. It just seemed like a good spot to get two games in with some rest in between shake off a little bit of that rust, but he's close in my mind. This is not inside info. I just really believe that we'll see him for a limited time in this game that he'll get maybe a third of the carries or something. And two thirds will go to labor. If that's something that we see guys, it's a, it's an incredibly different dynamic immediately for this herd def or for this herd offense because you're talking about a guy that ran for 1400 yards last year that hasn't seen the field yet a guy that led the nation in touchdowns last year that hasn't seen the field yet and oh by the way the guy that was thrust into the rb1 role was two yards away from tying the lead nationally in rushing so to have that type of potential lethality in the backfield along with two mobile quarterbacks that can make things happen it just changes the whole dynamic of this team no longer would the louisiana defense be able to key on trying to stop kalen laburn exclusively you know we we have um famously been talking about the the struggles and pass protection for this hurt offensive line run blocking is not a problem but pass blocking it seems to be a little bit of an issue uh, if you watched any of that troy game uh troy's defense was 
all over our quarterbacks instantly, you know, just instantly. We they, It was pressure all game long. We couldn't get any type of passing game going in that. I think uh, our QB1 had like 49 yards passing in that game against Troy, and we lost 16 to 7. And uh, the defense did not allow that touchdown to Troy. That was a scoop and score early in the game. So it just changes the way things go. So let me give some generalities here. You guys can paint a better picture of – what a more accurate snapshot may be in the last two, three games-ish. But this is season averages. We're talking about points per game, points allowed, that type of thing. Uh, currently, currently through five games, Marshall's scoring 29.4 points per game, where Louisiana's roughly 25.5 points per clip. Points allowed, Marshall's allowing 16.2 points per game, Louisiana right around 20. Uh, yards gained per game, Marshall's roughly 423 with 224 of those coming on the ground. This is a very rush-heavy Marshall team. Uh, yards per game offensively for Louisiana, 327 on average, just 117 on the ground, though. And yards allowed by defenses, Marshall's defense is only allowing 281 yards a game, just 71 yards per game on the ground given up to opposing offenses, whereas Louisiana is allowing 370 yards to their opponents, currently allowing roughly 128 yards on the ground. So kind of where it appears you are a little bit more porous is where Marshall is really good. And not so much the vice versa. You know, you guys uh, seem to pass a little bit better than you run. But we talked about how stingy this Marshall defense is. Um, so where do you think the matchup is, the advantages for Louisiana? Where's the game within the game? I'm sorry, where's the game within the game for Louisiana to take advantage and maybe uh, have an edge? Uh, Jerry, where do you see the primary advantage? It's really going to depend on our, our, our defense. Um, are you talking about on like as a whole? Wherever you see Louisiana being able to take advantage of this mismatch, this, this, our pass game versus their pass D, whatever, where do you think that lies in this game? I think right now the Cajuns are third in the country and enforcing turnovers. I think that's where our strength is on defense. I think we're going to have, you know, take advantage of whatever Marshall's struggling with offensively. It's funny you say that about the offensive line because it's very similar. So I think that's where. All right. Uh, Marshall has been allowing more turnovers. They popped up a little bit more and they're not just your run of the mill, putting the ball on the ground. They've, Resulted in points for our opposition the past two weeks. Uh, you know, we had a scoop and score against Troy given up last week against Gardner Webb. It was a pick six early in the game, and that was their only score. So two weeks running, this defense has not allowed an offensive touchdown. All points have either be become special teams points or defensive scores. Um, Nick, where is the advantage for Louisiana? Where is the we have to exploit this matchup right here for to, for Louisiana to have a legit shot to make this happen. Look, I think we have three tight ends that can catch the ball. If we play, look, Josh loves it. <laughs> Throw it to the damn tight end. We say it every week. And when we do, we're successful. So I think that is the matchup that we need to exploit uh, because you guys can't, I mean, you can't cover our wide receivers. And, and if we go in two tight end sets, you're going to have trouble covering those guys. So if we're going to be successful in the passing game, to me, that's where it's going to be. It's going to be getting the ball to our our um, our tight ends, and I think long. I mean that that's really it because we need to take advantage of what you guys give us. We haven't done a very good job of doing that in the last few weeks. So if you're giving us the three, four, five yard passes, we need to take them, and um, I think that's going to be the key to success is getting our tight ends involved and taking what you give us. 
Let me give you something to drive that home. Uh, one of the things that keeps rearing its ugly head, and Russ is in full agreement with me on this, we keep seeing Marshall allowing the mid, you know, that seven, eight-yard crossing route. It's open every game all season long. Well, don't so, worry. We don't run it because for some reason <laughs> they don't care. They don't want to run the crossing route. So. Well, that's a shame because our defenses, our defenses, as how stingy they are, are seemingly giving up that seven, eight-yard crossing route all game, every game. And sometimes, you know, when those aggressive defensive backs try to make that uh, break for the pick, it turns into a long play. We saw that happen against Troy. We saw it happen against Bowling Green. So the aggressiveness at times will bite them. Uh, Josh, where is that advantage for Louisiana? Where is the matchup? And I say it a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Jerry and I, and, and Nick to a degree, grew up with, with Mike. Uh, our, our Mike Desermo is our, our coach. I talk to him regularly, and we where, – where are the screens? Where are the bubbles? Where are the jets? Where are the crossing routes? I, we have no idea. So if you guys struggle with that, fear not. Not a problem this week. We don't do it. We, we <laughs> refuse to run it. But, uh, KD, I'll, I'll say this, man, and, and everybody says this, but this, this particular team, for whatever reason, special teams has been a strength for us for, for years. And, and, look, our place kicking has been inconsistent, but punting, punt coverage, kick coverage, everything. For whatever reason, this year, I mean, we can't get out of our own way. We're, drop, we're, we're snapping the ball overhead. We're, we're, you know, we're not covering kicks like we normally do. I will give credit to Eric Guerra, who's been one of the best punt returners in the, in, in the entire country for the last two years. Outside of him, we're inconsistent to a point where, like, we can't even rely on these guys. For whatever reason, I don't know what happened. But I think that that is an easy fix early on that I can tell you if these guys come up and execute, we're going we're gonna to get better 100% overnight. If we can just get those special teams to, to play to their ability. So that's one. Number two, I don't know. There's so many things with this Cajun offense that you just it's, – it's just a head shaker. Like, I, I don't understand. What if offense, we can, Josh? That's a problem. What exactly. offense? Exactly. The, the stats that you just – that you just read off it is it is bizarre how we've executed in games and again we've prided ourselves on having that nasty offensive line that'll go out road grade take control of the football game make their presence known it's not been there now we're starting a sixth year covid senior at at center in in hudson i don't know how he he got injured at the end of the uh homecoming game against south alabama lance burton gets put into his place. Lance Burton was the starter that we we expected him to start the season, but he had a lingering injury coming out of fall uh or I'm sorry, at a spring and it just kind of it went into the season. If he is going to go ahead and start uh, at center, I think you have a totally different rushing game on your on your hands. So that's something to watch. If we can establish a game. And by the way, Chris Smith, our all-world running back, also has a hamstring injury. So we're, we're all wanting to establish a running game, but we got a bunch of kids behind this offensive line that's unproven. And while we think they're talented, we don't know what they can do. We, don't, we, don't, we have not seen them produce in a conference game, much less a, a game this season, I think outside of Southeastern. So we don't really know what we're going to get out of the running game. If we can't get anything out of the running game, who knows what the passing attack looks like? And to your point earlier, yeah, the passing stats might look a little better, but I can tell you, I'm here to say, the passing game is not good. It's not good. <laughs> our routes are lazy. Our route trees are simple. Our quarterback play is inconsistent. And, and I'm just telling you, with this offensive line, you never know what's going to happen. So, so many things, so many variables offensively 
uh, I can't even really give you a good gauge on what we're ex expecting. What I do expect is improved play in uh, on the offensive line with Lance Burton at center, you know, and, and we don't know what kind of game shape he's in. So I don't know, but I think that we're a better and a co more cohesive unit with him at center. Here's the thing. You're on the road. It's a must win game. Like Russ said, it's back against the wall. You got to go out there and you got to perform. I think if you, if you remove the self-inflicted wounds, this team is four and one. And I, I've watched Marshall enough to know that if you remove some self-inflicted wounds and look, this is life after Wells for you guys, you guys are still figuring it out offensively as well. There's a couple of times where you need a few things back and you're maybe, you know, you have a winning record, right? I can't wait to see these two teams lock horns. But if I'm just looking at the Cajun side of things, just clean up the execution. Stop getting these horrible penalties, these the, uh, like things that never happened under Billy Napier, the, the personal fouls, the, the inconsistent uh, discipline, whether it be, you know, doesn't matter what unit. If we can just execute and stop getting penalties, stupid penalties in crucial situations, third downs, fourth downs, if, if special teams can just go out there and do their jobs like they have been for four or five years, it's, it's a totally different football team. And I think Marshall has some of that as well. But just, just again, just from the Cajun side, I, I just want to see, and you asked the question about where's our advantage. Our advantage is we don't know where it is yet because we haven't seen this football team execute. Go out, special teams, go out and just execute. Do your job. It's a totally different football team. Offensive line, just go out and, and pass protect and, and road grade like you have been. Like you, Jeff Nord came from a service academy. They know how to push people around. I want to see it. Let's see it. That's, yeah. a, that's a different football team. Defensively, we're getting better every game. The defensive line showed up big time against South Alabama. The special, the uh, excuse me, the secondary is what they are. They're talented. They're senior laden. I think you're going to have a hard time passing the football on Wednesday. Here's the thing. Lamar likes to kind of get, how do I put this without being ugly? He gets kind of soft in the secondary when we have a lead or when, we, or when we're tired because we've been on a football field. I don't know what the time of possession for the season is, but it's got to be like, 60%. We, the defense have been on the field for 60% of the games. I, I, somebody can look that up if you have a second. We got to get off the damn field. We got to get off the football field. Let the offense control the clock. Let the defense do their job and be aggressive. If we can do that, that's an advantage. The secondary is an advantage, especially with, again, you guys, life after Wells. You don't know what you're going to get out of the passing game. This defense can exploit that. Well, you can't do it when you're on the football field for 60% of the freaking game. Josh, I'm just going to go back to your time of possession comment and, and we'll wrap up our side on this, but it's, it's 27 minutes. I believe it is for us time of possession, but the problem is it, when you come, some of the games now against rice, they could rice control the game. I mean, their time of possession was insane, but when you look at the rest of it, it felt like the, the other team controlled the time of possession because of these stupid penalties in crucial moments. And what scares the heck out of me against you guys is that one, it's a revenge game for you. And two, you've watched game film and you know, you can get under our skin and you know, you can bait us into penalties and we'll take it. So that really scares me the most in this game is that I know that if it, if it's coming down to the wire, you guys know that you can say something to one of our players, we're going to retaliate. And there's 15 yards and game changing play. It's a great point, Nick. Good. I didn't know that. I'll pass that along to our guys. I'll make sure that they're a little, little, little rude. During game. Russ, where's the advantage lie for the herd? Uh, we think we know who we are. We're a little bit more questionable on who Louisiana is as they are questionable on who they are. 
So doing during the course of your research in this game, where do you think, if anything differently, uh, where the advantage lies for the herd? Where's the the real sticking point? By far, it is rushing the football. And I know you guys have a good defense. I'm not taking anything away from it. I've got a little stats here. And this is, uh, we're recording, as of right now, the noon games on Saturday still have not played. So these are stats before today's games. And, and all this nationally but uh rushing you guys are 53rd against the rush and that's not bad that's really good out of 131 teams you know so i'm not taking anything away but it's 128 yards a game and we rush for 100 more than that per game uh labor himself is rushing for more than 128 yards a game our uh backup quarterback who plays sparingly compared to the other quarterback has so many rushing yards that he would be second on the Louisiana depth chart for rushing yards Uh, on the stat list. He would be above your second and third rushers. We run the football. Mm -hmm. We have a huge advantage running the football and we're not going to have that in my opinion we still have too much to iron out trying to pass the football. It's going to be the rush only. Uh, you guys actually give up 31.8 more yards in the air than we do. You're 85th nationally at 241.8. We're 48 um, nationally with 210. You guys do not rush well uh, compared to what we do. Like I said, our our backup quarterback would be second on, on rushing yards. We are fourth nationally at 71.2 yards a game. So I feel like we are going to run the ball and we're going to stop the run. It's just there's some other things that you guys have advantages of that can sway this game. But our only strength that we're going to have that is abundant is rushing the football and stopping your run. From an offensive, from an, I'm sorry, from an offensive standpoint, that's right, right. Yeah. If if um, if you're expecting this Marshall defense or this Marshall offense to challenge your secondary down the field, it's just not something that we have seen this season. Our pass game is bread and butter is the short pass with the catch and the run. That's what they rely on, right? Very few passes have gone downfield. We haven't seen them consistently stretch the field at all. And that's part of the concern. Some of that, of course, is the pass protection issues. If you don't have the time, you can't make the long throw. But uh, these guys seem content to just have the swing pass, the screens, and all that stuff, and let those athletes at the wide receiver and tight end positions try to make a move or two and get down the field. They've been pretty successful. But by and large, it's the legs of Kalen Laburn, his durability to take 30 carries a game and just get stronger in the fourth quarter. And now it's Gardner Webb, yes, but. His 35th carry of the game was the one that went for 78 yards, right? That speaks to how strong he is. Katie, I apologize. I wanted to say, if you watch the Eastern uh, the Eastern Michigan or East Michigan, whatever it's called, if you watch the game film, they, they destroyed us with crossing routes and intermediate passing five, six, seven yards. So that is there to be had. I, I think maybe Lamar has Lamar Morgan is our uh, defensive coordinator. Maybe he's learned a little bit. He's a first-year defensive coordinator, right? Maybe he's learned something. But I'm telling you that Eastern Michigan offensive attack in the first half, go back and watch it. They killed us on the crossing routes, tight ends, uh, intermediate passing game, absolutely. Here's the other thing. We have not seen a true running quarterback yet this year. Five games we haven't seen. We've seen some guys that are somewhat mobile. Southeastern comes to mind. But outside of that, 
this is going to be a totally different situation for this defense because we have not seen somebody that can hurt us with uh, with the legs. So that's definitely something to be watching out for. And I'm going to be honest with you, in the past with Patrick Tony, we've struggled against mobile quarterbacks because of that attacking style defense. That's something to watch. Yeah, you will see a true mobile running quarterback in Cam Fancher when he enters the game. He's played in every game this year, including at Notre Dame and was able to take them down the field, you know, behind his legs. So he is a dangerous weapon. And if you see a return of Rasheen Ali, even sparingly, and we have the opportunity to get a Cam Fancher, Kalen Labor, and Rasheen Ali backfield, which is something Herd fans, by and large, have been like, this could be dangerous. Then it really cranks up that intensity from the run game a little bit because we don't know how vaunted that would be at that point that's three legitimate game break speed type dudes uh so let's let's transition into this right we've talked about the advantages of uh mismatches and where the game might be won or lost based on how we see it how about a couple of guys from each of you uh that really you expect to be the guy the guy you must account for in this game jerry we'll start with you give me maybe an offensive and a defensive guy uh and then we'll work our way around the horn Okay, yeah, offensively, I would have said Chris Smith. I know he had a little bit of an injury last week. He was kind of our our workhorse of the offense. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to expect from him this week. Um, but if, if there's anybody else that I would kind of keep an eye on, I would say Michael Jefferson. He's a wide receiver. Uh, he's a senior, uh, 6'4", 205. Got a lot of guys, a good wingspan, can get open, catch passes. He's uh, He kind of creates opportunity. I would also say both tight ends and Neil Johnson and Johnny Lumpkin both of which could play kind of a hybrid between a blocking tight end and a receiving tight end. Um, those two guys, if we target them, could be pretty dangerous offensively uh, with our passing attack. I also kind of want to mention behind Chris Smith, because if Chris, you know, isn't hundred percent to keep an eye on guys like Terrence Williams and Jacob Cabote. Uh, there are two running backs on the depth chart. Jacob Cabote being a transfer. I think he's a fifth year senior from, um, or he was a transfer from Texas A&M. Uh, believe it or not, he played for AM back in 2017, uh, scored a touchdown against us, ironically, when we played them. It's good to have him on our team rather than theirs right now. He's going to be somebody who he was he's been banged up a little bit, but he's going to be somebody that's going to have to kind of take the role if uh, Chris Smith is at 100 uh, percent with the rushing attack. So those are my guys offensively. Defensively, I'd probably say Eric Garrer. Uh, he's a starting cornerback. He's got pro potential. He's also our, our our return specialist. He has scored two touchdowns on punt returns this year. Um, a lot of speed. He's very much similar to some of the guys on the on the Marshall us uh, in the Marshall secondary. Just quick. He sniffs the ball well. Um, you know, he's going to be on your receivers like glue. That's just the type of cornerback he is. I also want to say another guy to keep an eye on. It's kind of been the anchor of our defense is Andre Jones. Uh, he's more or less a hybrid linebacker plays on the edge uh very fast he's tall and lanky so he can get up and you know swat some passes down but he's he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the guys in your backfield if there's anybody to uh to create some tackles so those are two those are some guys i wanted to mention uh we do have some we do have a lot of good skilled players it's like we've said before it's just a matter of who's going to step up but those are some names to to keep an eye on for the cajuns on wednesday night josh who are your guys this week First of all, let me say this. I made a comment about special teams, and I, I'm, I really believe this because I think that the talent on the rosters are so similar that I think that it comes down to a kick. I, I really do, one way or the other. Kenny Almondaris is a fifth year, or a fourth year 
fourth or fifth year senior. I can't remember how long he's been here. He looks like he's 45 years old. So it feels like he's been here for 10 years. Uh, he's got the good, he's got the good mustache. So he, I mean, he looks the part, <laughs> but look, he's, he's been very inconsistent, but he's one of those guys we've been able to rely on in the past and go back to South Alabama. If he makes, he went one for three. One of those was 51 yards. The other were a miss from 42 and or 41 and a miss from 36. So Kenny's got to make field goals, and we love Kenny here on the show. We talk about it all Appreciate the time on Rage and Review. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he, he's a good – He's look, special teams here, they're, look, they're athletes too. They're athletes, all right? So we, we give them some love, but I got to see Kenny make a field goal in a tight pressure situation. So I think it comes down to a kick. So I'm going to go – I'm going to shout out Kenny. Defensively, I want to see Jordan Quibido go ahead and just impose his will on, on an offense. We lost McCaskill to Kansas – Kansas is 5-0 and ranked and hosting game day. Yep. So shout out to the Jayhawks, Rock Shock. But we used to have, I mean, for two or three years, we had Lorenzo McCaskill, Farad Gardner, guys that, I mean, if you watch any amount of Cajuns football, you, you've seen them flash across the screen. Jordan Quibido has all the intangibles. He's got the talent. He's an older guy, fifth or sixth year senior. I think he's a COVID senior. I want to see him go ahead and impose his will. Go ahead and take over a football game. Be that guy. He had a great game against South Al. He's a local guy. I He bleeds Vermillion and White. This guy is all about the Cajuns. He is the kind of leader that you want on defense. I want to see Jordan Quibido go out and have a great game. He's going to tackle people. That's what he does. I want to see him cover. I want to see him take over that intermediate game like you guys mentioned. that pass, Those crossing routes over the middle and tight end uh, a game that, to exploit the middle. I want to see Jordan Quibble to go ahead and impose himself. So that's, that's, uh, that's my defensive player, and I'm going to go with Kenny on special teams. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, um, thanks for naming everybody on the roster, guys. That leaves me a whole lot here. Um, uh, again, you have Chris, a fan that you'd like to mention. Yeah, um, I think Jerry's going to be the difference maker on offense this week. <laughs> Look, it, first of all, it will all come down to quarterback play and how Ben Woolridge manages the game, right? Um, aside of that, uh, Chris Smith is a game changer. He's our Reggie Bush. Cabote is the run between the tackles guy. It's just a question of whether or not those guys are healthy enough to play this week defensively key for me is to stop the running game of course or to contain it because we're not going to stop it zion hill green on the defensive line i look for him to have a big game marcus weiser um i know he's been a little inconsistent but when he plays well he really plays well so those two guys on the defensive line uh, i look for them to step up uh but my uh man crush is always uh my aussie punter um, Reese Burns, he is one of the best in the country. And I think if we're in a tight ball game and we, we need field position, I think as long as we don't, uh, you know, uh, snap the ball above his head, I think he'll put us in, in, in a good position, field position wise, uh, to, to flip the script there. So, uh, I look for, and hope for Reese to have a big game. Well, we see your Reese and raise you John McConnell, a fabulous punter that heard has <laughs> an in-state kid, by the way, West Virginia from Morgantown high school up in Morgantown, Russ, uh, who are the guys? We usually don't do this. We, you know, we our listeners know who our usual suspects are. But I have ventured to think we will probably have a few Cajun fans listening to this episode since it's so in depth and so informative. So, how about a couple of guys for the herd uh, that we expect to be the real difference makers this week? Well, I just have to mention Kalen Laburn in that uh, rushing attack that we just talked about. Uh, whether Ali is back or not, he's got to be the featured back mm -hmm. uh, for the first game. Uh, unless some kind of injury happens, he's going to be RB1. And coming off the game that he had, the season that he has had, he's two off of the rushing record 
for this part of the season. 731 yards so far. Five games. The first game he played only the first half. Yep. And he still had 102 yards. The guy is an absolute beast, and he is going to be the guy to watch for Marshall. I'm going to echo that, of course, and I'll throw a few more accolades for Kalen Labor and the folks that may not know. He's the only running back in hurt history to start his career with five consecutive 100-yard rushing games. So you're talking about some real, real rarefied air. Obviously, you're the only guy to ever do it. And anybody that knows anything about Marshall runners, you don't think of them as this running back factory. But if you start looking down the annals and, and the record books, you're like, dang, they had some legit runners. There's some big-time yardages here. And laboring to be the only guy to start his career with five consecutive 100-yard games speaks to that. I will also say uh, that the running back room, even without Rasheen Ali, is incredibly deep. We have some young freshman guys that are are not just feeling their way right now. They found their way. They they rack yardage in in a traditional handoff running play type thing. They catch the ball out of the backfield. We saw A.J. Turner catch one last week, took it 24 yards to the house. So it's just another part of that catch-and-run passing game weapon. It doesn't have to be receivers and tight ends. Just about every running back that we have is also a great pass catcher out of the backfield. So it's just weapon after weapon after weapon. Defensively, I mean, I could really name 11 guys that you have to account for. I really could. But if we're going to narrow it down to some – I'll give you three guys, one at each level. First, defensive line, it's got to be Owen Porter. Nobody has been able to fully contain Owen Porter this year. Uh, we ripped off that he's the only player in you know the country with all these stats last game that Marshall tweeted out. He just flat gets to the quarterback. He's a throwback. Uh, you can't miss him. Number 55 on defense with the tucked under jersey and the exposed belly, and he looks like he used to play in 1990. And the attitude echoes that. He's, he's a throwback from a harsher era of college football. Great, great player. From the linebacking core, you can take your pick between Abraham Boplan and Eli Neal. Both guys are known entities tackling machines, and they go sideline to sideline. You have to account for both of those guys. And then, of course, in the secondary, if you're not paying attention to Stephen Gilmore and Micah Abraham, well, you're destined to turn the ball over. That's just how it is. Both guys have three interceptions on the season, both tied second in the Sun Belt for interceptions, and we're not even talking about Andre Sam, the transfer from McNeese State, who is having a phenomenal year. You guys watched the Notre Dame game. Number 20 was freaking everywhere in that game. So they're all healthy. And you're, you're going to have to face them all, at least at kickoff in this game. So let's talk about a few things, guys. We talked about players that we need to account for. Um, so let's go back around the herd. Nick, around the herd. Look at me doing a Thundercast episode. Let's go back around the horn. Nick, um, give me one or two keys to victory for Louisiana. These, um, these have to be checked or there's no shot. Look, one, contain the running game, like I said. We're not going to stop it, but contain the running game, um, force some field goal attempts, and and that puts you in a position to be successful. Um, our defense will always put us in a position to win offensively, so uh, we have got to get our defense off the field. I think that is another big key is that we have to – look, we don't have to score every drive, but we have to sustain drives in this game. That is going to be key. Because, again, we've got the talent on defense to hopefully contain you guys. Um, but if if we go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and have four punts, our guys, I mean, any, any defense in the country is going to struggle against that. So um, get off the field uh, defensively and uh, contain the running game are my two big keys. Cool. 
Josh, where do you see it? What, what's got to happen for Louisiana to have a legit shot here? Nick absolutely nailed it. You got to convert on third down offensively. You have to stay on the field. You got to keep these guys on defense, which, by the way, again, is the backbone of your football team. You got to keep them fresh and, and ready to go. Stay on the field. I don't know what our third down percentage offensively right now is probably in the 30s. I, I would, and, and that might even be yeah, that might better even than be you think 40%. A little bit. Yeah. Well, a little bit better than we thought. That's probably uh, the Eastern Michigan and Southeastern game. But still, I mean, it's been brutal, man. It's been bad. Even under Billy Napier, it wasn't as good as you would think. We've got to stay on the field offensively to have an opportunity to combat that, that rushing attack, that, that intermediate passing game of, of Marshall. And look, you guys said it. You have, you have threats who are going to rush the football all over the football field. You got to stay off. We, we got to keep that off the field. And we got to keep our defense fresh if they're gonna they're gonna chase these people around the game uh, around the field for sixty minutes. Gotta convert offensively on third down. Yeah, I'm make it three in a row. I agree. Got to extend drives. That's that's what that's been our strength for the last four or five years is we've been able to extend drives and our defense has been able to come in and do what they do best. And we've been able to do it with a run game. Offensive line is going to have to pay the play the best game they've played all year. And that's without question that allows us to establish a run game because that's our identity. We're a run balanced offense. So that's very important. Also too, I know Nick alluded to Reese Burns and we talk about punters. I think field position is going to be very important. I think the Believe it or not, the punting game, uh, establishing, you know, uh, punting, you know, punting far enough to to bring to make to extend your drive. That that's that's going to be something that's going to be very important. You know, uh, pinning pinning the your pinning pinning Marshall deep in their own territory, and that goes for the same for Marshall. Um, you want to make it as difficult as possible for each offense to be able to move the ball downfield because of the strength of our defenses. So I think field position is going to be very important. Also, too, Cajuns can't make goofy mistakes. Can't can't commit dumb penalties after big plays on offense can't turn the ball over can't do that on the road so uh offensively extend drives field position don't make goofy mistakes fair enough right these are hard enough to do in a normal game and when you're back against the wall in a kind of must win scenario these things get amplified and you really start to feel that pressure a little bit more to make it go right and that's where you see these uh, leadership senior heavy teams kind of rise above. So fortunately you have a lot of guys that do that and they can be that voice in the locker room. Say, Hey guys, let's play our game, chop wood, keep working, you know, uh, whereas a, a more youthful team might panic a little bit and allow things to get more out of hand. So we'll see if that leadership can finally become a cohesive voice and uh, provide some strength, right. In, in, in these clutch type situations, Russ, Let's give our listeners the keys to victory for the herd. I've got four this week. How many I've do got you four. have? Nice. I've got four. My man. All right, you can start it off. All right, but before we get into those, I have to bring something up because you guys all talked about third downs. Uh, this is something that I had for later, but it kind of fits more right here. Right now, out of 131 teams, this is talking about your defense. You guys are 123rd in the nation on third down percentage and you're allowing 47 and a half percent conversions marshall is fifth so almost as close as you guys are to the bottom we're even closer to the top only allowing 23.6 percent of the time wow are you trying to kill our spirits right now no that's a that's an eye opener man i did not have guessed that (laughs) 
no I kid i kid i'm joking no I'm joking. no i'm not because here in about five minutes that's when i'm going to kill your spirits <laughs> <laughs> oh this is an appetizer okay. yeah 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 get get another beer or five you're going to need it <laughs> who's the, right. what's the first key to victory for the herd this week russ we have to have pressure on their quarterback we have to get sacks and hurries they have talked about their offensive line and struggles and things like that in five games, they've given up seven sacks and that's it to me. I mean, you know, you guys might complain about the seven we've given up 19, you know, so we are looking at, we have got to pressure your quarterbacks. We feel like that we can stop the run. Uh, Our run defense is strong. Your rushing attack is not anything that we haven't seen already this year. And that's no knock on on that. It's just we have seen some rushing attacks. Um, we control the run, but we have got to get in the backfield, cause uh, hopefully force some turnovers due to hurrying uh, on passes, uh, tip balls, throwing into double coverage, but definitely sacking the quarterback, which will help a lot with another point that I have coming up later. My number one key to victory for the herd this week is what I'm calling stay the course. For two consecutive games, Marshall has allowed their opponent to go ahead early because of an offensive turnover that resulted in points for the defense. And for the last game, they kept fighting, kept chopping, and were able to ultimately go on 28 unanswered points to cruise to a victory in a relatively ugly-type atmosphere. Against Troy, that didn't happen. You know, they moved the ball, they got down into field goal range and and things like, but we could not make it happen. We couldn't overcome that early uh, gift, (laughs) their early touchdown gift. That's a trend that must end. The, the, The early scoop and score, the early pick six, the gimme touchdown has to stop. So as odd as that may sound, and we all know as fans that those things just don't sustain. You just don't continually allow a defensive score early in the game. For two weeks, we've allowed it. And it's a trend that just must stop, and it must stop this week. That's my number one key to victory this week. No early defensive touchdown uh, allowed uh, against this herd offense. Russ, what's your number two key to victory for the herd? We have to limit, if not outright prevent, turnovers. They are amazing at forcing turnovers. They have 10 interceptions on the year in five games, two a game. They have four fumble recoveries, almost one a game. They are getting right at three turnovers per game. And if we allow that, if we have three turnovers or more, it it could get ugly. And we have got to prevent that. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say that we can't have one, but we definitely cannot allow them to have multiple uh, or feast and have even more. They're averaging three, but if we come in and and get careless how we have been the last couple of games on some of these, and especially give a scoop and a score or a pick six, we just cannot do it. So we've got to prevent these turnovers. It's a fair point. You know, it's not only about these defensive touchdowns that are allowed. That game against Bowling Green, we've said many, many times, was lost because we fumbled twice inside the five-yard line. Yeah. Twice. If that doesn't happen once – you probably go in for a touchdown there and you have a different game. So we yeah. feel that pain about something going one play here, one play there, and you're looking at a different record. We're my, four plays away from being undefeated. This yeah. Year. My number two key to victory is limiting those penalties. I can sustain a few. I can handle the, uh, you know, a few here, there, a false start or whatever. 
But what killed us, I mean, it didn't kill, we won the game. But what was frustrating was that Kalen Laburn would have easily eclipsed 200 yards rushing last week, except he had several decently long runs, 8, 10, 12-yard runs called back on a hold. And those are the type of things we said against teams like Louisiana and moving forward will kill you. They will be difference makers in the game. It didn't matter against Gardner-Webb, but Louisiana's not Gardner-Webb. So you can't have that. If your running back can bust out a 10-yard run, 12-yard run, you know, and reset those downs, well, hell, you can't have a hold to put you at third and 15 now. You know, you, we, we can't be doing that kind, of no, that kind of noise. So that, for me, for the first time this season, the old penalties, limiting the penalties key to victory has come into my top four. Russ, what is your number three key to victory for the Hurt? Well, that just happens to be my third is uh... – limiting those penalties they've been trending upward uh not all of them have been uh offensive line false starts and holds which you know we've brought up on the show but any penalties that we get you know defensive penalties all of this we have got to do a tighter job of it and all three of the things a little bit of foreshadowing are going to affect my number four that i'll get to after you give your third okay well my number three Key to victory for the herd is to remain aggressive on defense. Ain't no reason to stop now because it's worked all year long. And until these guys, these Cajuns can prove that they can consistently outgun your aggressiveness on defense, there ain't no reason to stop. There is no reason to give them you know, free five yards, six yards, seven, whatever, man, you're going to have to come up and punch us in the nose before we back off a little bit. And that's something about this herd defense that I've just – grown to I've fallen in love with more and more and more each week because they haven't backed off you you talked about having the audacity to go to Notre Dame and play with that type of mentality well if you can do it in South Bend in front of 77,000 people then you can do it in your home crowd in front of a uh, playing a Sunbelt foe right so the environment that they've played in already is more um I guess more vaunted than what they're going to be facing. They're the friendly confines of the Joan. Like 99% of the crowd is going to be on their side. So there is absolutely no reason to dial it back unless you just are proven that you can't contain these athletes and you just start getting out athleted and these plays start getting made on you. Then you revisit. But for, for now, just remain aggressive. It's working. I mean, we get to the quarterback. We, we tackle with sure hands. We, you know, we we punch the ball out. We go up and get those interceptions on contested balls. And and that's been a huge key to Marshall's success. So for me, that's number three, remain aggressive. Russ, what's your last key to victory? My final key to victory is something that each of the uh, Cajun brethren there brought up, and that's field position. Mm-hmm. And we have to win this field position battle. Whoever wins this field position battle uh, throughout this game, I feel, is going to have the upper hand. So we have got to do it. Um, my first three keys to victory, if you think, are all going to reflect that. If we put pressure on the quarterback and get sacks, we're pushing them back, most likely making it harder for them to get first downs uh, when we get those sacks, pushing them back further on the field, preventing turnovers we will keep going down the field instead of giving them a shorter field uh, to work with, with turnovers and also lack of penalties that will prevent yardage going in the wrong direction there. We have got to win the field position battle. It's not just going to be McConnell pinning them back inside the 20 or inside the 10 or the five. It's not going to be all of that. We just have got to continue to keep our offense on the field 
and keep them having a long, long, long drive every time that they face getting the ball. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an uphill battle, right? Sustained drives against this herd defense just don't happen very often. We either get exploited on a blown coverage and it just goes for a big chunk play touchdown, but we haven't seen too many teams just methodically go down the field on this. It's just really hard. You know, it's really hard for them to do. My fourth key to victory is take all the points. For last two weeks, we've seen missed field goals. We've seen penalties take us out of drives. We've not been able to get – we had eight punts against Gardner-Webb, and that was something to me It was like that shouldn't have happened, right? But we weren't even in position to get down the field in order to try a field goal. So we're going to have to do a better job of getting in that kind of area of the field where you can attempt to put some points on the board. I'm along the thinking with everybody else. I think that points are going to be kind of at a premium here. I'm not seeing no 10 to six game or, or, you know, nine to seven game, but every field goal is going to matter. You know, every punt that doesn't go 40 yards plus is going to matter. So you got to take all the points. Reese Vierhoff is going to have to, right the ship a little bit, you know, and, and start hitting and connecting on those field goals. It's been 0 of 1 the past two weeks, so we need to see more of those go through the uprights. I, I really feel confident that Kalen Laburn will find the end zone at least once. Uh, Columbia, for his lack of eye-popping pass yardage, has still been able to account for a couple of touchdowns every game. So we still think there will be plenty of offensive production, but those few f- opportunities you have to get field goals, you're going to have to have them. You're going to have to have them. They're going to come into play in a big way, even if it's just giving momentum back to Louisiana off of a miss. That's the kind of thing that you have to capitalize on, and that's that's that has to start now. We've been able to weather those storms, but the storm is upon us. The Sunbelt season has started now, and it is upon us. We, we have to write all those things. If we do all that, Russ and I think that the herd can get a victory in this game. So, guys, we're going to do a little thing that we call the Thundercast Player of the Week. Uh, That's our guy that we think is going to be the key factor. We want to include you in that, too. So, for lack of a better term, I don't know if you do this on your show, but we're going to call it the Raging Review Player of the Week. Who is your singular guy, the guy that's going to be the difference maker and account for a Louisiana win? Jerry, who's your guy? I got to go with Ben Wooldridge. We cannot afford to win a game with a game manager. We're going to need a quarterback that can make the play and take that extra effort in doing so because our offensive line hasn't been up to par. So when, when, when the brunt of your offense, which is the run game, hasn't been established because of the offensive line, that's when the quarterback has to step up. And so I expect Ben to, to do just that. I think he's, he's due for a really solid game. Uh, he said last week he, he was very disappointed in his performance against South Alabama. So what better way than a 10 day break to redeem yourself? And this is the golden opportunity for him. So I think, I think Ben Wildridge is, is that guy. Uh, Josh, are you mirroring that thought or do you have a different guy that you see going off this week? I think the quarterback position has been down because of other things. I don't necessarily think the quarterback position is, uh, is a detriment because I think we have guys that are talented. This is what I'm going to go with. It's going to be a little bit off the, off the cuff here, but Jax Harrington. Jax Harrington is our right guard. I want to see Jax Harrington be the dog, D-A-W-G, on the offensive line because right now we don't have one. We need a dog on the offensive line that's going to take charge and say, hey, we establish the line of scrimmage. We come off the ball at the point of attack, and we dominate. We made a living under Billy Napier on that motto, five equals one, guys, five equals one. We have controlled games for four and five years on just having that cohesiveness on the offensive line. Jax Harrington has all of the talent, has all the tools. We need somebody to set the tone on the offensive line. 
He's the guy. He is he is probably, in my view, as far as uh, ability goes, he's the next offensive lineman that's going to go to the NFL. We put three, four, uh, well, if you, if you count our Cyrus Torrance anyway, don't want to go down, down that road, but we've got NFL guys that have come out of this program over the last three years. He is the next guy. Is he going to stand up and be the dog? The dog, D-A-W-G? We need him. I need Jax Harrington to show me something today. Or, well, against Marshall on Wednesday. Uh, that's an interesting – not too many guys go with an offensive lineman, but I like the uh, little bit of going out on a limb here. Like, I need to see something type thing. KD, where, where are you getting player of the game, offensive line, game changer, special teams? Where are you getting that? Only on Razor Review, baby. <laughs> that's why I love you guys. That's why I love you guys. All right, Nick, where, who's the guy? Who, who is it? Look, I'm going to – I think I'm with you. I think it'll be a game of, of field goals, um, but I think – in order to to do that, our punter Reese Burns is going to have to pin you guys deep. He's a rugby style kicker when he needs to be, and I think that might be. Um, I know you guys are strong with your punter as well, so that might be a key. Uh, so we might be putting back and forth like a ping pong ping pong Hope game. Not. But, uh, Hope yeah. not. It's a one way game, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I look for um, aside from Woolridge needing to step up and have a big game. I think it'll be Reese Burns uh, putting us us in a position to win. Another interesting pick. I was really expecting to hear like the stud DB or the, you know, the running back's going to bust out in a big way, but an offensive lineman and a punter, the quarterback. Yeah, I get, I get, I understand that. Yeah? So basically the guy that touches the ball every single play on offense. I get it. Uh, we have a nickname for our punter, John McConnell. I call him Mr. I 20 because every single punt seems to go inside the 20 when able, you know, if we're not backed up to, he's just, this will be an interesting game within the game that we're probably not exploring as much, but when we go back and we do recaps of this game, it would not surprise me to go, man, what a showdown between the punters. And as, as hokey as that may sound, it could happen. No, Russ. it's not hokey. It's legit, man. This is, it, you're talking about field position in a game with defenses. There, I think in my view, the defense will, will rule the day. I want to invite you both. Raise your review post game right after the game. We do it every game. We you do guys too. Are, you guys are invited <laughs> to come on. Let's talk about uh, the, the our picks. Yeah, I mean, we try to do a post game spaces as well. It seems to be a really uh, fun thing for the fans to get engaged with. So uh, we'll have to do something. You know, even if we can't do the live post game, we'll have to do something and, and maybe revisit this game because we'll have ten more days before. You know, yeah. so we can really make this a midweek deep dive if we want to get back into it post game. Uh, Russ, who's your guy this week? Who's the Thundercast player of the week for Russ Livingood? Well, before I do that, Josh mentioned that he needs someone that's that dog. And I just have to mention that Randy <laughs> Moss, Randy Moss called me dog once in college. <laughs> I can't even say it now because KD's, KD's busting out laughing. The running, the running joke. But you might as well tell the story. I mean, you might. it's a quick story. You might as well have Give us the story, down. man. I, I got to yeah. hear about this. Well, this it's epic first. And I don't <laughs> I don't know if it's that quick. Uh, so I lived in Twin Towers and the dorms, I'm, the dorms. Yeah, I'm uh, I've got my backpack on. I, I came from class. I hit the up arrow to go up and the doors open. Randy Moss steps out and he goes, what's up, dog? <laughs> that's and, and that's it. <laughs> That's the that's the lifelong story he's been telling for twenty five hey, years. I'm riding with it. I'm riding, that's great. That's fantastic. But it's just this. It's this run. You know, Randy Moss called me dog once. It's just that thing, and it's become a, a larger than life anecdote. 
And uh, he tries to work it in whenever he can. It's great. Russ, who's your Thundercast player of the week? By gosh. Kalen Laburn. I feel like he's going to get uh, 150 maybe on the ground because we might see – might see Ali. That's true. You know, so he might have less carries or whatever, but I think that he still busts out for 150, which is no small feat. But I just feel like he's going to continue his momentum. Um, I think that he has a goal, a target now when you're two away. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, the leader's at 733 and you're at 731. And we're going to know where that guy uh, or anyone that's above him stands. And, you know, I don't think he'll be counting yards or anything like that while he's in the game or looking at the scoreboard or the stat sheet or whatever, but he's going to be running with a purpose. And I feel like he's got a statement to make and he makes it on Wednesday. I agree. I've learned my lesson about getting cute and these off the wall picks, right? I've learned now that it is Kalen Laburn until it isn't right. Okay. It, it yeah. I don't have to get creative but he's just been that guy he's been the guy if he doesn't produce at the level he's been producing this season Marshall is not as successful as they have been period go ahead Josh I have a thing real quick we don't we didn't spend a whole lot on Ali but the fact of the matter is if if he plays even if he's a threat to play changes the defensive game plan no that's the fact of the matter and especially that Look, the last time we saw you guys was in New Orleans and (laughs) Ali was the best player on the field yeah I mean let's be honest so I think that just the threat that he plays changes the game. And we didn't spend a ton of time on it. And obviously, you don't want to spend a ton of time on a guy that hasn't played yet this season. But I think that he can be, without even stepping on the field, he can be one of those game-changer type guys that you have to game plan for. And it, and it really changes the plan defensively for the Cajuns. That's my view on that. Yeah. It's true. You know, even if you suspect that he may play, you have to account for him because it, it, it's a massive detriment if you don't and he takes the field. But back to what I was saying about Laburn, uh, we've talked about him being a one-year guy. You know, he's got a lot to prove. It has to happen for him this year. You know, there is no more eligibility. And he's done a lot so far in this season to prove that he can play at the next level. But I like what Russ says too. If you're two yards out of leading the nation – when people were counting you off, they, they had written him off before he showed up at Marshall. You know, oh, he was a five-star bust. Went to Florida State and just never did anything. That's a shame. Well, he proved that that's not true. He comes to Marshall, you get a breath of fresh air. You know, the RB1 situation happens the way it does leading into the first week of the season. And he gets his opportunity. And all he has done is dazzle week in and week out. A few hiccups here and there, fumbles. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's football. But – I have learned until he is not the guy, he is the guy. So until Louisiana can stop him, he's the guy. I mean, period. I don't have to get sexy about it. I don't have to get, you know, hot takey about it. Uh, There are a number of guys that could have career days, you know, or bust out that are just due, right? They're just due. But until they do that, it's Kalen Laburn. That's it. That's it. Um, We're going to go around the horde one more time. We'll give it a score prediction. Nick, we'll start with you. What do you got for the Cajuns and the Herd this Wednesday? So I think you guys open it up with a touchdown quick off the bat. Um, but I think we settle down. We score a couple times on our own. I think it, you're, with your kicking woes, there might be a couple of missed field goals, but a couple of made field goals. So it will be a weird 17 to 13 score Louisiana wins. Okay. No uh, no hate there. A little lower than I'm figuring, but okay. Uh, Josh? 
what do you got for this Sunbelt budding rivalry? Listen, I, you know, nobody's going to like what I'm about to say, but here's the thing. Uh, we're going <laughs> on the road, okay? Uh, we're facing, in my view, the type of offense that you guys run is, is our kryptonite. That, that's my, my honest take. I think that the Cajuns have made a living on the type of offense that Coach Huff and his staff want to run. We, we perfected it under Billy Napier. I, I think that we're struggling to find out identity right now. And if I'm being honest, you know, if I'm getting red-pilled, whatever the kids call it nowadays, uh, I, I still think that we have some deficiencies offensively, especially on the offensive line. There's a reason why I called out Jax. There's a reason why we talked about the offensive line. I think, I think Marshall wins 23 to 16. That's my, that's my real prediction. If I'm betting, like if I'm putting money down, I think Marshall wins 23, 16. My heart, my heart wants to see the Cajuns win 21 to 10. A couple of turnovers in that, in that prediction. But listen, I, I'm not a fool. I, I know what I see. You guys play football. You play football. I watched football here in Lafayette for five, six years. I know, I know what can be done against this offense and against this defense. I think you guys are the, the worst nightmare for what we are right now. And it's on the road. I, I think it's I think it's 23. At least you you get through 23 on this defense because they're tired. They're tired. It's 23-16, Marshall. Uh, unfortunately. Sorry, uh, Raging Review fans. I apologize. I mean, that's just, I'm just being honest. Well, no, I, no, I, no need to apologize. <laughs> I went I, with my heart because I don't want the blowback. So <laughs> I respect the honesty, right? I've picked the herd to lose this season as well. I mean, just sometimes that's the gut feeling, and that's what it feels like, man. And and you're, you're under no obligation to just blindly pick Louisiana every week. I mean, I think I think we as podcasters, uh, the guys that do this type of thing, you do a disservice if if you get on your show and you feel like you're just a homer. If Thank you're you. real and authentic, it Thank might you. ruffle some feathers, but people will go, well, you know, he's right. He's kind of right. And that's the way I try to be, too. Everything is not always Hunky Dory and Kelly Green and White and beautiful. Sometimes it sucks, and I'm okay with saying it sucks. You know, it, it, so I can respect that. Jerry, where do you fall? You got you, we're split here. We're split here. Which side of the fence are you leaning on? Honestly, I think it all depends on on again. I keep going back to it. Who makes the least amount of mistakes? Um, I feel that right now, to Josh's point, we're not playing the best brand of football, and you're going into a buzzsaw when you have, you know, traveling to Marshall because um, Marshall right now, you know, you, yes, you lost that game to Bowling Green, but yet you, you've made up for it since you, you're, you're clicking in certain aspects, even though you do have some weaknesses as well, but obviously you're clicking better than we have been in the last three weeks. So um, I'm going to go, if, if, if it's my heart, I'm going to say cages 24, 21, my head, I'll probably say Marshall 21, 14. I think I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I don't expect any team to pull away. Now, I will say this. If we make some mistakes and turn the ball over early and let Marshall take advantage of that and score early, that's that that is the worst case scenario for the Cajuns. Um, But if both if our defense is able to step up, kind of limit that rushing attack with Marshall and we're able to extend drives and that and it's within one score at halftime. I like our chances. I really do. But uh, yeah, again, my heart. Cages 24-21, my head, Marshall 21-14. What you got, Josh? And, KD, real quick, I just realized I was very generic in what I said. When I say that you guys play football, for, for I mean, people, uh, you guys know, you, you're, you're, you're college football fans. I, mean, I know what you meant. When I say football, you run the ball and yep. you play defense. Yep. You play yep. football. 
Yeah. You don't just try to spread everybody out and throw it over their heads. That's look, in my view, that ain't football. Football is lining up 11 against 11 and running it down the damn throats. And then when you line up 11, 11 on the other side, you, you stop people. And that's what you guys do. And that's what we built. A, I mean, literally we, that's how we were successful for the last five years. So you guys play football. And in, in that regard, we are struggling to find the identity if when in the context of playing football. So that's that's what I'm basing my my thought on. I understood exactly what you meant, and and I get it. You don't have to run every trick play and you know the all these trickeration type stuff to try to get a win. Marshall can line up and beat you if if they can. They can just line up, do nothing super special, and run it down your throat if they're able to get a few blocks here and there. Russ, what's your score prediction for the herd in Louisiana? So here's where my new Cajun friends really get mad, and. Uh, <laughs> And they can at me all week long before the game and after the game and all that. Um, this defense of theirs is a paper tiger compared to our defense that is real. They have the takeaways, and it makes it look a lot better than it is. But if you minimize those takeaways, they do give up yards. They do not keep people off on the third down. Uh, they're not preventing that. Uh, which is giving people more uh, chances and opportunities. And uh, we come in for revenge. We were winning 21 to 16 in that game. And, you know, Ali was controlling that game. Uh, I agree with Josh. He was the best player on the field. And then that punt return uh, targeting call changed everything. But I tell you what it did too. Go back, all four of you guys. And, KD, I know that you've got it up and geared to play at any yeah, time. it'll be used. Yeah. Kobe Cumberlander. You look at him, and that is one thing. I saved it. I didn't want to say he's going to be an impact player, but he's not the only one that's going to be bringing the intensity from that. I, I don't even know if the guy is going to play that made that hit. Is he still there? No? Okay. Jerry uh, Wilson is no longer on the football team. Okay. Well, that's probably a good thing because uh, I, I think Owen Porter is going to be uh, remembering that hit. I think that Kobe Cumberlander is going to be remembering that hit. There's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be some passion in this game. There's going to be a purpose, and I don't see us running away with it, but we're 10 points better, 27-17. Okay, 27-17 is really not that far off from where I'm seeing this game too. I see this as a as a hard-fought, little bit higher scoring game just because I think uh, each team will throw some punches, and some of those punches will land. You know, uh, the defenses will make their plays and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in a game like this where there's a little bit of blood boiling, at least from the Kelly Green side, there will be some, some shots taken, a little extra aggressiveness, uh, things that we haven't seen. You know, some of those uh, unsportsmanlike penalties type things from spilling over from last year's bowl game, maybe. And Russ is right. If you go back and watch that clip of that punt return, after it's over and they're showing the sideline, you'll see who the guys he's talking about. They were ready to go into the field of play and bring the smoke. And they're still on the roster, and they'll be playing on Wednesday. So, of course, that's going to be viewed by these guys. We would, If we were playing, we'd go back and watch those clips, right? We, 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 we'd get amped up and charged up. So we're going to see a little bit of that competitive spirit bubble over a little bit. And referees might have to take control of the game a little bit at certain moments, especially if there's a ticky-tack call and it flares up. So I like the herd at home to hold serve main undefeated at home this year. 
get that first Sunbelt Conference win. Like I said, I like it a little higher scoring, but I still like it to be a tight game. 28-24, to 24, Marshall wins this one in a res- more than respectable effort by the Cajuns in a rebuilding year, in, a, in the beginning of a rebuilding era. Uh, Marshall's kind of in that same deal. You know, defensively, we know what they are. Uh, they, they've got a one-and-done at the quarterback one position, Henry Columbia, so we know there will be changes after this year and all that moving forward. But I just like the herd to do enough, make enough plays, and get enough stops all things being considered equal, even if the turnover margin is equal. I think the herd converts a little bit better on third down. I like them to get a few more stops on third down. Those will be the differences in the game. You know, we, we may see one of those fluky defensive scores or a special team score. Your guys got two on the year. We've yet to see our return game kick or punt return break out. Coverages have been good, but we haven't seen anything mind-blowing from the return game. So those things all add up to keep it close. I like the herd 28 to 24 to get that first ever Sunbelt Conference win. Guys, the one thing we haven't talked about at all in this game is the fact that it's the blackout for Marshall. A whole nother element. Marshall has never worn a black helmet and they are debuting them for this game. Uh, the fan base has been clamoring for them for years, ever since they really started uh, making the 75 week game a thing the black uniforms they still don the white helmet the helmet you see over my shoulder is one of those uh memorial helmets with the names and the helmet stripe and and the young thundering herd logo and the 75 on the other side so this time this week they're debuting black helmets for the first time ever and you want to talk about guys being amped up that is going to push it over the top it's a blackout for the crowd i fully suspect you will see everybody bought into that for this game uh, so the crowd should be at another level than they normally are. And they power the herd to a tight, hard-fought victory. Guys, let's get some final thoughts about this game before we close it out of here. Um, Nick, what's your final words here on Marshall, Louisiana? Well, I think regardless of the outcome, I think it's going to be fun. Um, again, this is this is definitely a must-win for us, borderline must-win for you guys as well. So I expect it to be hard fought. I don't think anybody's going to run away with it. And it will, uh, we'll see which team is more disciplined this game. And I think uh, that will have a lot to do with the result on either end. So um, it should be a fun one, boys. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Josh, all right, we've talked all the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's, and it's time to talk about what you think it's going to be. What's, what's the final word, the final synopsis, the, the final Josh synopsis of this game? Well, I'm going to use my time to just kind of brag on you guys. And, 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 oh, thank okay. you. All right, <laughs> no, good. No, you've got and, you've got an hour. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not I'm not trying to endear myself, but I'm going to tell you right now, I we have toiled away in the Sun Belt for so long. We are charter members of the Sun Belt. It's been tough. It's been rough sledding for a while. You had the Western Kentucky came in. They didn't have a, a program, and they beat us on our home field for the first time ever. Willie Taggart, by the way, big shout out. But here's the thing, man. We we have we have we have weathered a, a time in our football program's history that was not anything to talk about, and here we are podcasting with Marshall, and we're going into a nationally televised game on a Wednesday that has real implications about how this league is going to play out. Guys, I don't know. I mean, you guys have had your successes and you've done the Kusa thing, you've done the Mac thing, and we kind of started the show with the Sun Belt. We're in such a great position to enjoy this game, to, to enjoy our programs in a way we've never done it before. I look, I look forward to just sitting on the couch 
I, I couldn't make it to Huntington. Didn't work this this year, but I will. In two years, I'm coming back. I, I want to go. It's on the bucket list, by the way. Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to just grabbing a beer, putting the game on, and watching good football. Good football. Just just enjoying it and having this conversation with with, with you guys is is it's indicative of where we've come as programs and. For us personally, the Raging Cajun brand has really taken a big step forward in the last 10 to 15 years. But to be able to have fun with you guys and look forward to a football game and get excited about a game and have our fan base talking about a game in the conference with Marshall, I, I don't think that we we don't spend a ton of time on it, but I think that it should be pointed out. This is good times. This is great as a college football fan, as a Raging Cajun fan, as a Herd fan. You guys have got to be excited about where you're at as a program with regard to the league. I know we are. I'm excited to watch a good football game on Wednesday. Look, if we win, I'm going to be devastated, and we're going to do a post game, and I'm going to holler and scream and do all that stuff. But guys like you and, and Rage and Review and all the other podcasters that do a fantastic job in this league, this is just – all it is is just a result of good and intriguing football and, and intriguing uh, anything, entertainment, just getting involved with our programs – and, and going out on a limb and taking our time to just have fun. It's fun, guys. It's fun. I look forward to a great football game. Unfortunately, I think the herd come out on top, but I, I just want to have fun watching football as a college football fan. Well, uh, I think we definitely are going to deliver that as a league and as team, individual teams running up and down our individual schedules, as a league across the board. Uh, there's just so much, like, hype around this everybody seems happy and i know that's a lot of that's going to fizzle out when we start beating each other every week and that's cool i'm looking forward to that too but for now yeah we russ and i love where we're at we'll talk about that here in a minute jerry um final thoughts on the matchup as we head in towards wednesday it's growing ever closer well first of all i feel honored to to as a cajuns fan to to be the first school that marshall hosts as a sunbelt conference home game that's amazing um and also too for us to be able to play a team against like Marshall as a conference opponent, a team with so much tradition, so much, you know, just so much pageantry to your program. It means a lot to us. And again, I've said before, we were in a conference at one time that everybody was trying to leave. And the fact that Marshall came in wanting to be here in the Sun Belt, it just adds value to what to what we have. And it just goes to show you that you want to be associated with us. And that means a lot to us as well, just like we want to be associated with you. So I think this matchup is going to be, it's going to be one of those gritty Sunbelt matchups between two solid teams with a lot of potential, a lot of talent. And, you know, we get to do it on the national stage. Anytime you get a national televised game, it, it, it just, it, it's, it's free marketing for the conference, but it's also free marketing for our programs. And it's complimentary to, to our programs and the fact that ESPN wants to even air it. So I'm excited about the matchup. Obviously, I hope the Cajuns can right the ship and, and get things going. I know it's going to be a massive challenge in Huntington, but to Josh's point, it's good hard-nosed football between two respected programs. And I cannot wait on, until Wednesday night when the Cajuns take on the Thundering Herd. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well said, fellas. All the way around, well said. Uh, we've been looking forward to this ever since the announcements were made that we were leaving Conference USA. We felt like we were toiling in, you know, purgatory for a while, that we were in a place that really wasn't going anywhere. They had no vision. They had no, you know, desire to be anything. And even if they did have the desire, it didn't look like they had the vision to make that happen. So to be surrounded by programs that, uh, you know, we have a history with, some belt or not some belt, uh, Southern Conference days, App State, Georgia, Georgia Southern, teams, teams like that. It brings back a, a different era of herd fan. The, the ones in those early 90s that really were like, man, this was good. 
football. What you say, this was football. Southern Conference football at that time was real football. So to be able to revisit that and rekindle that on a, a whole different level is something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, before I give my final thoughts on this game, Russ, how about some final words on Louisiana Marshall? So my final words uh, on this all focus around the tailgate. And, you know, we're going to be doing Thundercast Live, but uh, the sponsor this week is me and my company that I work for, Boyd Cat. Uh, I'm going to have some great customers there, but we're doing a low country boil and it had nothing to do with us going up against the Cajuns who are uh, famous for their seafood boils. And because this is not a Cajun boil that I'm doing, it's uh, from that low country of South Carolina, Georgia area. Uh, but if you haven't had a low country boil, I consider it to be one of the best, if not the best tailgate foods, because you just stand around the table while you're talking football and the game and eat up. Um, we're going to be over there. Probably I'm going to be there around three o'clock to set up, get everything going. We'll try to have the food out by five, five thirty, that sort of thing. And we'll have uh, a lot of good times and we hope everybody stops by and more than anything, if you need to rent equipment, if you're a contractor <laughs> or whatever, give me a call. Find me on Facebook at Russ Living Good Equipment Rentals and Sales and uh, my company, Boyd Cat, uh, based out of Ashland, but we Ashland, Kentucky. But we also have stores all over our territory. Just go to Boyd Cat, look it up on Google. You'll find a place close to you. Uh, I hope you guys are able to tune in to Thundercast Live. That will go live on our YouTube channel. It's a, and it's in kind of our live tailgate show. It's something we started doing this season, obviously with the uh, onset of the of the football season, and it's it's fun. You know, we get a little live action from the tailgating vibe, the stadium vibe. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the whole thing is powered by our friends at Ignite Link, who do a phenomenal job in producing that show. Um, if uh, you might have an opportunity. I'll be at work, unfortunately, so I won't be you know, able to take part in Thundercast Live this week. But uh, maybe you guys touch base after we get done recording here. And, you know, there's an opportunity for you guys to maybe come on and talk, you know, be part of Thundercast Live and talk about the game in real time uh, before kickoff. But look, you to all of the points that you guys made before, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. Marshall is thrilled. Thrilled to be in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, I don't think you'll find too many herd fans, if any, that uh, see this as a negative move. The trajectory that Louisiana has been on for the past couple of years is pretty awesome, you know, and, and we know it speaks to the level and the quality of hires that you make. That's kind of the world we live in. You make the right hire, you go up, you, you don't hit a home run with the next one, you're going to fall backwards a little bit. It is what it is. But for this point in time, for the past four years, five years, Louisiana has been a fun team to watch. Uh, I don't think that it's too far away from rekindling those things again. Uh, there's an excellent baseline there, excellent baseline there. And, and you get a few pieces in place for you guys to develop, and you're going to be right back to where you were, right, competing. So to be a part of that and to really hear, this is something that gets lost on me as a Herd fan because I've been surrounded by this program for well over two decades you lose track of the fact that people view you as a quality opponent, 
as a quality pro peer program. You know, we don't think about that. At least I don't that often. So it's nice to hear like we wanted to be associated with you. And, and I think more herd fans need to know that we do a decent job of knowing who we are, but we also forget, you know, how, how well we have it sometimes, you know, we do have a passionate fan base. We do have a really rich history and we do expect to win. And it's nice to hear that other people are like, that's the kind of school we want to be associated with people that care people that want to compete you know that put a quality product on the field i will say this if you ever make the trip to huntington i know you guys are talking about you know i can't go this year maybe in two years whenever you can make the trip to huntington you will be met with hospitality unlike any other in the country that's just how we roll in huntington uh there is there are two division one programs in this state you know you don't have to go too far to figure out who the other one is uh, by and large, our reputations across the nation are polar opposites, right? As well as we are hospitable and thankful that people make the trip and want to make you want to come back, we'll feed you and talk ball with you and, and, and shake your hand. Thank you for coming and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll hate you between the whistles because we want to win, but we thank you for making the trip and we want you to come back. Just as we are that way, the other team kind of goes the other way with it, you know, and they have a reputation for being a little bit different. <laughs> So uh, all those things you just said kind of hit a little bit. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't think about it that way, but as we maybe talk to more of these Sunbelt podcasters and do more of these shows, it's, it's always nice to hear that. And I want to say that I am, I am happy to be associated with teams like Louisiana uh, because you guys care too. And, and I, I want to echo what Josh said about uh, having the guts to come out here and be a podcaster and put your, your face and your voice out there and say things and do things. It is a little courageous, right? And it's not always well-received. And we always do this from a place of passion and a, and a place that's inside your heart. But um, sometimes folks don't agree with what we say. <laughs> yeah, And honestly, who cares? Yeah, I don't. I mean, if I do, you, but I don't. You know, if you, if you have the wherewithal and you have the knowledge and you have the want to put your face and your voice out there for the masses – what does that say about the way you feel about your program? I mean, these three guys, these two guys, us three, we, we've, we put our heart and soul out there. We work hard. We spend hours and hours every week to try to put out a good product because, look, believe it or not, cultivating our fan base has been an uphill battle. You guys have had several years, decades of, of, of some sort of, of, of history and success. This is new for us. We've been doing this for maybe 10 years. So we have, let me tell you, the local media mafia, they don't like us. They don't want to hear it. They, they want to have their own glory. They don't like the way we do things. But we're going to continue to show up. We're going to show up on Sundays. We're going to show up on Wednesdays. And we're going to talk about the team. And it doesn't matter what they think. We are here for the Raging Cajun brand. We are here to promote the university that we graduated from. We love this place. We are trying to get businesses back involved. We're trying to get the fan base to just rally around a program that deserves it. You guys, look. We want to be associated. You made the comment. We want to be associated with people like Marshall, with programs like Marshall, with the ODUs and the and the eight, the App States and the and all of the guys in the East. And it's great. But we also want to take Troy and elevate it. Look, I'm not a fan of Troy. You know, F Troy. We want to be Troy in everything <laughs> we do. But we want to elevate them, right? We yeah. want to elevate the ULMs. We want to elevate the Texas States. We want to elevate every people, every program in this conference. Except coastal. Except Coastal, you know, they can get out of here. Uh, but we want to make the Sunbelt Conference, you know, the, the P6 is kind of a joke now. Everybody kind of makes fun of it. But 
We want to play in the league that gets the most respect in the G5. And to Nick's point, the G5 thing is going away. And we, we want to be viable programs. At the end of the day, we want to be viable programs. All right? That's the end goal. You guys have the same, the same goal uh, as us. But before I get off of here, I know, KD, you got to wrap it up. I just want to say, you guys do a fantastic job. You and Russ, just, just the fact that you get up every week and you, you produce content and you send it out to the masses, you guys should be commended. You do a great job. Your, your product is fantastic. Uh, your love for your program is, is exceptional to me. I mean... Nick, maybe have a comment on that, but I'm just happy to be associated with people who care. That's all we've ever wanted. You know, we, we sat in here with Georgia State for 10 years and nobody showed up. <laughs> no, no shot at Georgia State, but look, I, it's just, it just the fact of the matter is, is that you guys care. You bring something to the conference. You make it worth showing up for Saturdays. If, I, if I'm a regular fan in Lafayette, we're playing Marshall? Oh, good. Well, I'm showing up to the game. We're, we're playing App State? Well, I'm showing up to the game. You got to have a viable conference if you want to matter nationally. I think we've achieved that, and you guys are a big part of it. Keep that passion going. Keep getting up there and talking. doesn't matter who, who agrees with you. Keep putting your face on there. It doesn't matter. You guys are great. I appreciate you having us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, let me, let me put a little of that shine back directly onto the Raging Review, right? When I had – the uh, concept idea, and I was working a, working, a, working out how I wanted the Thundercast blueprint to be. I looked at what you guys were doing and, and a couple of the other podcasts around the Sunbelt, and, and I wanted to use some of those elements. So the fact that what you're seeing us do, some of the things that you're seeing us do, I, I pulled from what you guys do. So you helped turn my initial idea for the show into something better. So there's a little bit of uh, pat on the back directly right back to you guys. You know, we'd inter we've interacted before, before the Thundercast was a thing. So I knew, you know, some of the things that were going on at Raging Review and I wanted to echo because they're good and they work. So uh, thanks for, you know, being creative. Thanks for putting out a quality product and uh, captivating the audience that you have. I know that people care because they listen. So uh, I can't thank you enough for joining the show, guys. Again, this is the Raging Review Podcast. Find them uh, anywhere, basically, that you can find your podcast. Somebody uh, will have the links in the in the show's description so you can go subscribe on Spotify or wherever you want to uh, find your favorite podcasting outlet. Probably has the Raging Review Podcast. Uh, Russ, uh, you, this turned into an epic episode you know i was expecting yeah. we might fill an hour or so here we are two and a half hours into this bad cat so what was going to be the front half of an episode is now an episode so there's no way we could tack on another hour and a half to the back end of this thing and make people uh hang out for four hours we're getting really good at putting these extended episodes out so thanks once again to the guys from the raging review podcast again the game is going down wednesday night uh, we cannot thank them enough for joining us. We'll try to get something maybe if it doesn't go two and a half hours for a post-game recap later on in the week after the game. But this was a lot of fun. We will definitely do more projects in the future. Russ, I guess since this is going to be a standalone thing, take us the heck out of here. Yeah, as always, whether you see us at the dot, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the vet, whether you see us throwing down in the sea lot on some low country boil where we're getting ready to beat our new Cajun brothers. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>